Welcome, regrets, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rankcast episode 26, exclusively sponsored by the Premium Hockey Outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P U C K H C K Y.com. Use the discount code The Rink and you can get that brand new Snoopa Loop gear that they just put out. <laughs> Snoopa Loop. Uh, today is Monday, June 2nd, 2018. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Uh, I am joined here by not my good friend, co-host and Philly grumpy old guy, John Jacob, but two other rink riders that we were joined with last ring cast. First of all, we have our war pigs reporter from Rockford, Mr. Mario Tarbasi. Hello, my friend. Hey, what's going on? I think we can, uh, I think we could pick up the grumpy slack for, for, for John this episode. Of course, of course. And also, we have from, again, smoky Denver, Colorado, Mr. Aaron Goldschmidt, our NCAA guy. Hello, sir. Burn it all to the ground. <laughs> Literally burn it all. But um bum But um bum Put the team on Cam Ward's back. Oh, God. Well, they might have to. <laughs> well, so the Black Blackhawks have had uh, some things happen in the past couple weeks, and they have had a lot that didn't happen in the last couple weeks. Uh, first of all, the Blackhawks had their draft, which we talked about last time. Uh, we kind of expected that there may be some fireworks, but uh, there weren't. There weren't even sparklers. Uh, no. Which aggravated me to no end because I was expecting something to happen. Really? Move a contract. See, move a player. Those little pouches that you buy for a dollar that you throw on the ground and they kind of like snap. I feel like that was pretty much how it went down. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that, yeah. And, and, you know, everyone got mad at me because I was like, oh, well, you know, they didn't do anything to address any of these. And Slava from, uh, I don't know, what is the NBCSN? He's like, mm-hmm. well, what were they going to get? You know, unless it was one of the first two picks, they, they, nothing was going to address any needs. And I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about. No one they picked was going to address anything today, but they could have made a move. They had the potential to make a move. Maybe, if anything, just unload a contract or, you know, whatever. Unload a player, move, get some more space or do something. But they did nothing to address now, mm-hmm. which was so aggravating. And then we had a week to sit on that to free agency, which was yesterday. But uh, before we get to that part, which is going to be even more angry, uh, let's kind of go over what they did in the draft. Um, I mean, really, the the lower rounds don't matter much, except for to Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) And the sixth round goalie that was uh, Alexis Gravel. But um, I guess, you know, in the first round... We thought they may do some moving. John heard some rumblings that, you know, they may try to move up or they may try to package that 27th pick to do something. Uh, but in the first round, they uh, Adam Boquist from Sweden, who is, as some have uh, proclaimed, at least draft experts have proclaimed, that he could be the biggest potential to bust 
but he could be he could have the highest ceiling in the end if he works out. So he's kind of, you know, really a wild card as far as it goes. He's got the world of talent, but if he doesn't grow, if he doesn't put on some weight, he could end up being a bust. Uh, they picked him first at eighth overall, which I don't think they necessarily thought he was going to drop that far. And uh, that's why I think they picked him. Uh, what did you guys think of Boquist? Uh, well, the way that the draft unfolded, um, I think the way that the draft unfolded and then Chicago picking Boquist at eight, um, from an outsider perspective, that is a, that's, that's, I feel like that's a great situation that kind of fell to Chicago. Whereas Boquist was a guy that, um, you know, as, as the year went on and as draft uh, draft analysis and, and draft experts kind of saw his progression leading up to the draft, he kind of started falling a little bit down out of that top five range. I think at some point in the early spring, he was, you know, he was in the discussion that it was like, okay, you know, Darlene, Sveshnikov, and Bolquist, those are your top three, then, you know, what's going to happen from there? Um, that kind of faded away as the draft approached. So with him falling to Chicago at eight, from an outside perspective, that's uh, probably really good good value and you know could be looked at as a steal. My issue is the way the draft fell with Montreal uh, taking uh, Kakaniemi at three, and Damn. then Ari- <laughs> and then. Uh, and then Arizona going way off the the, the the spectrum and getting Barrett Hayton at five. Um, that really opened up the draft for picks six, seven, eight, which was, uh, you know, Vancouver, Detroit, Vancouver, and Chicago. So here it comes, eighth pick overall, and you got uh, uh, Wallstrom sitting there. You got Boquist. You got Noah Dobson. You got Evan Bouchard all right there. And everything that we heard uh, for the Blackhawks leading up to, you know, the, the draft was that they were very high on Oliver Wallstrom. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I know as the draft, uh, you know, got closer and closer, reading more about about these guys, watching more of their tape, <clears throat> um, I started to get on the train of like, you know what, if it if it is Wallstrom at eight, I'll be very happy with that because he's uh, the kind of dynamic scorer or has the potential to be um, the kind of dynamic scorer that Chicago could really use because, you know, they have uh, Alex DeBrinkett who has a dynamic scoring uh, ability, but, um, you know, I know, I know Aaron, you've, you've made mention of this before. Uh, you know, let's see what he's going to do in year two now that there's, more tape on how, how to defend him and how to just not let him sneak to the slot and get a shot off. Um, obviously, Patrick Kane is a dynamic scorer. Uh, but other than that, you know, you got Brandon Saad, who had a down year, Jonathan Tatis, who needs to rebound. Bringing in a guy like Wallstrom would give you that ability to have a guy that can just fire on net and have, you know, a high-end caliber shot. Um and you guys know from discussions that we've had, I was really high on Evan Bouchard, uh, defenseman out of London. Um, you know, a, a, a bigger body guy that's, you know, maybe not a dynamic skater, but 
from what everyone says uh, of his game, sees the game well, knows the game well, plays smart, and outside of Rasmus Dahlin was probably one of the most NHL-ready defensemen right out of the gate in the draft. So I figured at eight, if it's one of those two guys, or even Noah Dobson, who is, you know, uh, uh, highly sought-after defensive prospect uh, with a little bit of size and, and dynamic ability to his game, if it was one of those those three guys, I would have been ecstatic. And I, I think you guys are on board, too. It was probably going to be one of those three. And then they go Boquist, and it's like a little disappointing because they go with the youngest guy who's probably the furthest away from joining the league out of those four. And the one that, like you said, gate was either the highest boom or bust ratio. So you don't want to see them bust. Whereas Bouchard, Dobson, Wallstrom were all probably a year or less from the NHL. So I, that's long winded for me, but that's, that's how I felt about that first pick. And, um, it was just, dis- I, I hate to say I'm disappointed with Adam Boquist because he might end up being, you know, a dynamic game changing defender for Chicago for the next 15 years. Who knows? Um, but out of what I thought that what was available, a player that could, you know, be plugged into the system for Chicago relatively quickly, I, I don't think that they got him at number eight. Aaron, you got any uh, insight on what your what your opinion was? Yeah, I think Mario covered it pretty well. Um, I, I just think that we read a little bit too much into our current situation. You know, we give the front office and Bowman, you know, a lot of grief about their decisions, but I think they saw this opportunity finishing – you know, last in the division, getting the eighth overall pick. I thought they saw this opportunity as, you know what? We're going to get the best player available. And I think that was Adam Boquist. And I said it last week. This is a Swedish defenseman. Stan Bowman loves that. This guy can skate. This is the system that is perfect for him. I'm just not surprised. You know, I left last week saying they need to make this bold move and go grab Brady Kachuk. They didn't do it. They could have. But they just didn't, and it just makes me convinced that, you know, this could be Joel Quinville's last year. It's going to be ugly again, and they're starting to build by making smart moves for the long term. And I think everyone needs to buckle up because it ain't going to be pretty, but this is the fastest way we get back to contending, and that's getting the best players available. So as disappointed as I am that we can't get better today, it was probably the smartest move um, that we could have could have made for the long term. Yeah, I mean, I'm the, I, I was upset so much that, uh, you know, they got Boquist because, again, like, he has probably the highest potential, but he could also have the lowest, you know, potential, depending on how he, he you know, because he's 17 years old, he's 5 foot 10, 11, whatever, you know, you want to... He's 5 9. Okay, well, they list him at 5'11", but that's why I was saying that. And he's 165 pounds. Uh, granted, he could put on 20 pounds, you know, at that age. He could grow three inches and put on a 20 pounds. But we don't know this. No one knows this at this point in time. It's just a guess. It's a hope. 
that that could happen. Now you have three guys or two guys at least in Bouchard and Dobson who are like six foot three, could be these bulldozers that help clear out the net, but can also skate the puck and can also play on the power play that have a lot of tools that the Blackhawks don't currently have in their system. That's where I was kind of upset because it's like, okay, sure. Uh, you know, Hillman's okay. Gilbert's okay. Okay. But are those guys going to be playing in the NHL someday? Are they going to be able to clear, clear the crease? We don't know. You know, I think that's a hard, I think that's a hard decision to make because let's say, you know, both Boquist and Bouchard have live up to their ceilings uh, you know, Bouchard could be like a Seabrook type, uh, and Adam Boquist could be as high as Eric Carlson. And then, you know, we let Adam Boquist go, you know, two picks, and we got a good defenseman, and we passed on a great one. So it, it is a hard decision. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. And then they then they go, uh, you know, the 27th pick, which a lot of people, me included, didn't think they were probably going to keep, and they go with Nicholas Bodin. Uh, who is, you know, for all I know, a, a decent defenseman. But again, he's five foot ten, eleven, 170 pounds. He's a smallish guy. You're, they're just picking the same guys over and over and over uh, in varying levels of talent. It's the same size guys over and over and over again. You know, one of them's a you know five on the talent. You know, as far as raw talent goes, one was a four as far as raw talent. But none of them have any size. None of them. So you're just going to have a bunch, you know, and a lot of people want to say, oh, okay, this is the way, you know, the, the, the NHL is going smaller and faster. That doesn't mean that every guy's got to be small and fast, because if you have a team that's small and fast, once you go out there, you're going to meet a team that has some size that's going to crush you. Mm-hmm. And you can't just run around, you know, past guys. You're going to, you know, there are boards there, you know, someone's going to be able to, you know, run you off and, and, and you know, have that angle on you, run you off into the boards and smash you. You I have that, to have some guys that have some size out there. Some. I think that's the scariest part is that this team is not really designed to defend um, the, the smaller players. We don't have guys who are out there willing to pick fights and manage, um, you know, taking advantage of our players. We, we've seen it with our star players and I'm on the side where I, don't like that. And I know some people are like, oh, well, whatever, take fighting out of the game, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. That's all good and fine. But I can't imagine Henry Oki Haru coming into the league this year and just getting demoed by Tom Wilson and everyone's just on the ice watching him just bleed out on the ice. Yeah, it's or Ryan big. Reeves, or now you have, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Roussel is now with Vancouver instead of Dallas. Those players are going to take exception and go after your star players. They sure are. Mm-hmm. And whether you like it or not, you have to be able to, to do something about that. And you don't have to have, you know, Bob Probert out there who's going to go, who's going to go there and smash someone's face in. But, you, you know, maybe someone like Andreas Martinson that can go out there. But you need to have that on defense, too. Like, if you're going to have a, a big forward, like, you know, say Brady Kachuk or... Matthew Kachuk in front of the net, who's a little pain in the butt and is hard to move. Do you think five foot nine, 165 pound Adam Bokfus is going to be able to do that? 
No, and, and we're already bad at clearing the front of the net. We let anybody and everybody stand in front of Corey Crawford. It's a well, known yeah, it's, I, I've kind of discussed it with someone, and I think that that kind of partially is by design, where you could have, you know, you could have two guys wrestling in front of the net, and that creates two screens, or you could have one guy in front of the net, which is just one screen. They may just be deferring and saying, hey, we can't move this guy, so we'd rather have one guy instead of two guys wrestling in front of the net. And I don't know that that's necessarily, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I've been under the impression that that's kind of how they've gone because they don't have, you know, two Seabrooks out there. They have one Seabrook who maybe, you know, can go out there and do it occasionally. Uh, you know, we don't know with Connor Murphy. He's the one guy who can go out there and lay a hit right now on the defense. But Quenville doesn't like him doing that. When he does that, Quenville pulls him off the ice or benches him or whatever. So they're kind of limited on that back end. And Yeah, and you got, you got, you know, Duncan Keith, who he can lay a hit, but now, you know, you need, he's what, 35 going on almost 36 and you need him to play because of the way that the, the, the defensive group is, is laid out. Um, you know, he's still got to play 24, 25 minutes a night and you can't have someone who's played as many NHL games as he has at the age that he's at the, the minutes he's put on his legs and continuing to, that can't also be your guy that's like, okay, but you, you also have to be physical. And Brent Seabrook, you know, like you said, from time to time can be physical. Connor Murphy is big. I don't think he's that physical, at least in front of the net. Um, I've seen him just kind of get pushed around. Uh, and like you said, I don't, maybe that is by design by, by Quenville, who knows. But, you know, they bring in a guy – I don't want to jump too far ahead, yeah. but I'm just I'm just gonna say they yeah. brought in Brandon Manning, who's a physical stay-at-home type defenseman. Um, so they, I mean, they kind of address it, but at what you know, at what cost are you addressing having more physicality in your back end rather than having someone who can maybe do a little bit more? Right, and I'm not against you know bringing in some smaller, fast guys. That's fine. No, that's, that's, they've been doing a ton of that. Yeah, I, I mean, look at so I I I, I put to, I'm just looking at the, the the lineup here, and I'm just looking at Henestroza and Kane and Schmaltz and you know Camp and Sakura and now Anthony you know, Lewis, Anthony Lewis, Chris Kunitz, Matthew Highmore. Uh, you know, looking at these guys, and I'm just like. You know they're 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 small. Like our 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 big physical forwards are Artem Anisimov, John Hayden, and Andreas Martinson. Like those are the big guys that are going to be in the forwards group that can be a little bit physical. And Anisimov is physical in that he's just a big body. Like he doesn't play a physical game. He's just big. One hundred percent. Yeah. So. And I know people are, people are, I see sometimes people on Twitter are down about John Hayden and oh, you know, he, he landed one punch one time. So that's why people want him to play like, no, that's, that's not true. He, he has the ability to be physical and, you know, throw hands when, when necessary, but that's not, that's not his sole game. Like 
you know, you watch, watching him play in Rockford, he was getting top six minutes. He was getting time on the power play and he was playing in a role where he needed to play with a little bit more skill. And he has the ability to do that. Um, I just think when he first got into Chicago, they thought, oh, a young, big, big physical guy, let's just get him out there to lay hits and drop the gloves. Like, that's not how you, that's not how you use a player like that. Like he has, a, he has the ability to, to, you know, put up some points. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's an option. Andreas Martinson's coming back. He's also an option to be physical up, up front, but it's like, you know, a, a guy who can be physical and put up points, that would be pretty nice to have. And I mean, Brady Kachuk would have been great, but he was just kind of out of their realm yeah. in the draft. So. Yeah, I think with the Hayden thing, I think, you know, that really his physical game as far as, you know, punching and, and all that wasn't really his game, uh, you know, in college and stuff. I think that when he came out because of his size, they're like, hey, we don't have a whole lot of size. So we're going to need you to, you know, muck it up a little more than nor- than you normally would have. Right. Yeah. And that's my impression on that whole situation. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you know, I like John Hayden, He, you know. And uh, I, I still think he has, you know, potential to, to do something, uh, you know, maybe even fill in, you know, middle six power forward. Cause that's all they've got as far as power forwards go. And, and it's, it's rough to say, because if you line them up against Brady Kachuk or, you know, any of the, you know, traditional power forwards or even like Wayne Simmons or anyone like that, like he doesn't really stack up as far as a power forward goes. He's kind of, uh, you know, on the maybe on the smaller side of power forwards, but that's all they have. Yeah, I mean, what frustrates me the most is looking at this lineup. I still see a third line that's supposed to be a checking line, that's just a top six overflow line. Oh, Victor, for sure. It's Artemisiama, They're just putting these guys on the third line. They're not good at defense. They're not forechecking. They're, they, they don't do the job of the third line. And we've had previous teams, guys like Stahlberg, uh, Michael Froelich, guys at Chip and Chase, get it deep, do the dirty work. These guys aren't those guys. David Boland. Any of those guys. Just get your hands dirty and put us in a good position where we can put our top guys out. We don't yeah. do that. Yeah, when you hit a third line of like Brian Bickle and – uh, David Boland, like those guys were going to go in there and dig in the corners and play those defensive roles. I mean, look what they did in the cup. They, they put them out there late in that game and they did that 17 seconds thing. Like, I mean, that is like prototypical, like how you want your third line. They can go in there and they could dig and they could dig and, and they can also score. The Blackhawks don't have that right now. We don't have that. We don't have two way defensive minded forwards who can finish checks. And that's not even a knock on Vinny Henestrosa. He just doesn't fit there. No, he's not that yeah. type of player. And neither does Artem Anisimov. You know? Um, it's rough. It's rough to look at. And then, I mean, you got, you don't have much to even, I mean, where's, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, the free agents later, but where's Kunis going to play? I mean, are they going to play him in the top six at 38 years old? Um, no, they can't. Like they can't, like he Konitz was on uh, a, a lightning team that was a super team and he was getting 12 minutes a night. Yeah. And like, you can't bring a guy who's at that stage of his career 
and come in and be like, hey, you want to be our number two left wing? We did with Patrick Sharp. Well, they did it with Andrew Burnett, too. Yeah, if you, if you loved Patrick Sharp last year, boy, are you going to love Chris Kunitz this year. And Andrew Burnett in 2011. I mean, that's the same thing, man. Yeah. They bring some guy in there who's past his prime, who's trying to squeeze one last year out of his career. And uh, you're, we'll waste a million dollars. It only costs a million dollars. Yeah, but it's a roster spot. It's a roster mm-hmm. spot, and it's a contract in the system, which, you know, I, I brought this up earlier. You can, you know, uh, the Blackhawks are at 48 contracts, and you can only have 50 player contracts. Now, if if uh, Bokvist goes back to Sweden or if he plays in the juniors, that, that, that contract doesn't count against their contracts, and it goes down to 47, I believe. Mm-hmm. But they're... As far as the NHL goes, if you look at the list of the, the teams and how many team, you know, how many contracts, player contracts they have, the Blackhawks are by far they have the most amount of player contracts. The next was like forty-two contracts. Yeah. So Blackhawk can only if Bokvist goes back to Sweden or goes to the OHL or whatever, however that works out, they can only sign two to three players tops if they were going to sign anyone at all, and they may not. Um, they, they may want to leave that leeway because sometimes during the season you get, you know, like Tyler Secura contracts where they want to, you know, sign a guy that's on an AHL deal or whatever. They want to leave a little bit of room to be able to sign a guy if they need him. Yeah, they, they did the same thing with, uh, you know, Darren Radish and um, yeah uh, Lucas Carlson, you know, at these guys that they bring in towards, you know, the, the back half of the year, they give them NHL deals because they, they see them moving forward. Um, that, yeah, they have no wiggle room to do that. Yeah. So I don't want to get too far into the free agent thing, but you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, talking about the draft. So let's wrap up kind of draft a little bit. And, sure, uh, sure. yeah, yeah. The, uh, they didn't have a second round pick. So the, the third round, they got two picks. One was a center, another small center from the U S developmental program, Jake wise. And then they got a right wing, uh, another small right wing from, you know, Sweden or whatever. Actually, this is Finland, Nicholas Norgrind. And these guys all project as like, you know, they got all the talent in the world. Their size is just their, their, you know, their downfall is their size. And that's what basically every guy they picked in the draft was like that, except mm-hmm. for the sixth round, Alex Gravel, who's six foot three and weighs 225 pounds. He's a goalie. Yeah, he's a goalie. He's not, he's, yeah. he's not going to go out there. And he's not going to, you know, be able to go into the corners. And, no, and, and not only will they not pick, you know, a forward or defenseman with any size, but they won't pick any goalies that are under six foot one, which is completely, which, which is odd to me. Yeah. I, mean, I get you want a big goalie, but, you know, like if you're going to pick players that, you know, well, we don't care about size. We just care about their skill and what their high end could be. Well, then why wouldn't you go pick a goalie out, you know, that maybe five foot 11, uh, but has skill out of this world, you know. That, right. I find that I find that ironic, but I mean that's just me as you know, a bully guy. But I mean, I don't hate on this Gravel guy. I mean, he was ranked pretty high, but what he reminds me of, and it's scary to me, is you know years ago they picked a guy named Brandon Whitney, late, mm-hmm. and it was the same year that they they picked Matt Tompkins. Brandon Whitney was like one of the top rated. U.S. goalies going into the draft. He was probably like two or three ranked. Same as this Gravel guy. Or Gravel, 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 whatever it is. Um, and, you know, that's all great. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking, wonderful. You know, this guy's a big kid. He's young. He's ranked real high. The Blackhawks might have got a steal on this. 
I watched him in camp, and he looked okay in, in prospect camp. But then he just disappeared. The Blackhawks lost interest, let his rights expire, and he's, I don't know, rolling around in the ECHL and the AHL, you know, is kind of a tweener right now. If you look him up, he never yeah. developed into anything, which, you know, I get being afraid of drafting goalies. It makes sense to me. It's been hard to get goalies to, to develop for any team through the draft lately. And I mentioned it last uh, Rimcast, which basically the Blackhawks drafted a goalie last year in Caledelia. Basically, yeah. Yeah, they didn't spend a draft pick on him, but they picked him up. And he's, you know, he's done very well. And this year he probably, unless Kevin Lankadin comes out, he's probably going to be the, you know, the incumbent starter in Rockford right now, which is great. Um, but, you know, as far as the organization goes, they're still in a weird position. And, uh, you know, again, we'll touch on this a little bit more as the free agent goes. But, you know... The draft is all fine. Well, we don't know what's going to turn out. We're not going to see these. We'll see these kids in a couple weeks. But um, those were our concerns. They picked a lot of small guys. They didn't make any moves. I mean, that's the bottom line for what 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 our concerns were as far as the draft goes. Yeah. So. Okay, just a side note. Jake yeah. Wise is going to be attending uh, Boston University. Um, Mikkel... Hekarainen is going to be at Providence College, and then Josiah Slavin, who's the brother of Jacob Slavin from the Hurricanes, he's a left winger, I believe, and he's going to do one more year in the USHL with the Lincoln Stars, and then he's uh, committed to Colorado College. Excellent. He'll be right close to you. You can get a good look at him. <laughs> sure will. Uh, cool. So, I mean, again, we'll we'll do full write-ups. Uh, Eric Andrews will be out there from our staff. I'll be out there. I'll uh, probably do some videos, some pictures, and some stuff. And uh, I think Mario may make it out there for a day. And we may even get a, an Aaron Goldschmidt sighting uh, for the scrimmage on Friday, possibly. So. Can't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shh, quiet. So um, that, that was that, and uh, we were kind of aggravated. Well, we were kind of hoping that the free agency would come up and the Blackhawks would kind of, they, they would redeem themselves. Stan Bowman would come out and uh, make a deal, maybe unload some salary, maybe pick up a player, who knows. But there were there was a lot of talk about a lot of that stuff happening. Uh, and then yesterday happened, <laughs> which was, you know, it, it also on top of this, which was kind of a side note to all this, was uh, Stan Bowman addressed the media the day before the draft. It's a regular occurrence that that's what he does. He addresses the media. And the Corey Crawford thing came up and he basically just dodged and bobbed and weaved, gave us nothing. It was a whole lot of lip service again with what his answers were as far as Corey Crawford. So we expect him to be back. And, you know, it, it's all a bunch of, you know, BS. And then also Joel Quenville was also uh, interviewed and he kind of gave the same thing. Well, we expect him to be back. Nothing's, you know, it, it, the funny part about when Joel Quenville spoke was that he said uh, he expects to, you know, there's no update. He's gotten no update on it, but he expects Crawford to, to be there for, you know, game one and that they expect him to come out and start on ice training soon, which to me, unless I'm, you know, speaking out of turn here, means that Court Crawford still has not seen the ice since mid-January. 
we're now in, you know, the beginning of July. He has not seen the ice in six months. And you expect Corey Crawford to be ready for camp after not being on the ice for six months. Be ready to start game one. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. I I'm gonna I I've been going on all week about this. I predict that Corey Crawford will not be ready for game one for the Blackhawks. That's I'm going on record saying that and I'm gonna stand by it until until something shows me otherwise. There's nothing that tells me that Corey Crawford's gonna be ready to go for game one. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm mentally prepared to uh you know, finally hear Quinville or Bowman or if they release a statement or whatever it's going to be that says, you know what, Corey Crawford's not going to be healthy to start the season as we expected, blah, 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 whatever it's going to be. Um, that indication came to me when they gave Cam Ward $3 million, uh, for one year and a full no-trade clause for that one-year contract. Yeah. Like, like what is that about? On a one on a one year deal to give someone a full no trade clause, I I don't I, I mean correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've I've ever seen anything like that where a one year deal gets a no trade clause. Well, like, Patrick Sharp got it. I guess yeah. yeah. I mean, I it's just I don't know. That just that just screamed to me that they were fully invested in Cam Ward being here the entire year and playing a predominant role. Um, now, I, I'm i with you, Gate. It'll be very – you remember when, when Crawford popped up in, like, in, like, middle of March and he was just – it was the like it was like an like a, a an illusion like he he showed up he was you know he was in the locker room he was he was uh, in the you know in the in the basement of the UC uh, for prior to one game and some and you know the the NBC Sports Chicago cameras caught him for like 15 seconds and I think he talked for a, a minute or two uh, to reporters and when you saw him he l- just looked and sounded just like he was uncomfortable and that he just, it, it looked as if, and if he's dealing with concussions and he's, you know, his, if his, if his head is, you know, if, if that's the issue, if it's a concussion issue, if it's, you know, vertigo, like they were saying, when you get that, like, you know, your, your balance is all thrown off your, you know, your vision can get affected, what have you. Um, and he, I remember watching that and, and listening to him and thinking, like, he just looks un, like physically uncomfortable being there. And I don't know if it was just being there and, and talking to people or if it was, like, physically he didn't – he wasn't feeling right. I'm very interested to see – because they say he's going to be at the convention. I'm very interested to see if he's that Corey Crawford or if he's more of a version of himself uh, at the convention. And – I mean, take take what you want out of out of you know out of that. But um, I feel like if he if he looks better, if he feels if if he feels like he's talking to people more, like the old Corey Crawford, I feel a little bit more encouraging. But like you said, until he's on the ice, until there's any indication that he's you know feeling being that he's healthy and that he's going to be ready for the season, I'm fully prepared that he's not going to be the starter at the beginning of the year. And, you know, we'll, we'll see from there. 
Yeah, I mean, that's not a normal training regimen for an NHL player where they don't see the ice for six months. Right. So to, to think that he could just start training like in mid-July and all of a sudden be ready for the regular season, and that's even if he hits the ice. We're, you know, they expect him, you know, it was it's all word games and wordplay. It's, mm-hmm. we expect him to be here. We expect him to start training soon. Okay. He hasn't seen a puck in six months. Like, that's scary as a goalie. Like, it takes a while to get your timing back, to get comfortable in that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if he's still having a problem, what's, what's to say he doesn't step out on the ice? And, and he, there was the one time where he actually, they said he was on the ice. It was, it was like that Arizona trip. Like, they said, he, they said he was out on the ice, and he took the flight to Arizona, and we didn't see or hear from him after that. Remember that? Yeah. And someone, uh, I don't remember who it was, it may have been from someone from, like, uh, somewhere, actually spoke with him on the plane. I think it was some, maybe someone from uh, one of the beat writers or someone from uh, the Score 670 or someone like that saw him on the plane and spoke with him and said, like, he does not look right. And... And again, yeah. after he, you know, hit the ice that one time he had a setback and, and never saw the ice again. There's nothing to say that, you know, he doesn't strap on the skate, step out on the ice and has a setback again. Really, You know, it's, this is a very, very touchy situation at this point in time. And we're just going by what we're being fed as far as it being, you know, vertigo, concussion symptoms, or, or any kind of. Uh, symptoms related to concussion, post-concussion syndrome or anything like that. We're just going by what we're fed as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, it's a day-to-day thing. So, you know, them bringing in Cam Ward, I think was more of a, we're, we're uh, our contingency is Cam Ward and Anton Forsberg going into game one. Which mm-hmm. I don't think is any, you know, it, it's not a whole lot better, but it's better than J.F. Peruvian, Anton Forsberg, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, you feel a little bit more confident with Ward and Forsberg than Perubian uh, and Forsberg or um, Forsberg and Delia. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's all up in the air still. Yeah. So, well... They signed Cam Ward, like we talked about, and that's been kind of uh, pretty much announced for like a week. Uh, there was nothing surprising about that. It was just the numbers that were announced to kind of surprise because it was it was originally announced it was going to be like uh, two and a quarter million or two and a half million, and then it ended up being an extra five hundred thousand to three million. And I think uh, I think that was Ward's agent kind of squeezing it out of Bowman that uh, you know you're in a tough situation, you need a goalie, and no one else is coming here. So, you know, give us the extra 500000 and no trade, and, and, and you can count on us coming here. Right. And even Ward said, like, I plan on being here to support Corey Crawford. Like, just these weird interviews and weird ways that things are being worded, even if you go back to what Kane and Taves were saying, he's going to do what he can to come back. Like, okay. If yeah. It, you know, it, it's a weird everything's been worded very oddly and it could be just people talking, you know, people, it could be people looking into words and, and just people not being able to put the correct words together. But I don't think that all these things lined up together and the way they sound 
Um, I, I think there's a reason that they sound that way because there's something behind this that they're not, you know, releasing to the public. So, yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I, I said it, I said it on the, on the pre-draft podcast and I, I still stick by it. If it was, if it was something, sh- and obviously there's, there's all rumor and hearsay or whatever circulating. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put any backing into that, but going along with this, this weird wording, um, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing and hearing it too. And it just, it seems like if something was strictly physical that they could pinpoint and say, this is our timetable for what we're trying to do to get him back on the ice, to get him back healthy. I think they would be able to say something like that rather than, um, keeping it kind of up in the air or we expect him to be healthy. Like you, like, like you said, Gate, the Kane, Kane and Tay's coming out and being, you know, he's, he's going to do what he can to get back on the ice. Like if it's something physical like that, I feel like there's the ability to lay out a firm timetable and kind of close up those, those loose ends where people can kind of throw in a little bit of speculation, but I don't know. It is. It is. It it has been handled very, very oddly from from my perspective. It's yeah. It and it's not the first time that they they handled things oddly. But you no. think that you think that the, uh, by now, um, they would have learned a little bit or learned a lesson to be able to, uh, you know. McDonough is you know. He's the overlord and. You know, he probably approves everything that comes out of the PR department. And for things to be this weird, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to be this, you know, be, be, you know, it leaves too much speculation. And right now, this team is not in a position to be leaving the fans in a whole world of speculation. There's season tickets to be sold. You know, there's a season that they just came off of not making the playoffs. There's, you know, the fans are starting to call for the heads of, you know, Joe Quenville and Stan Bowman. Uh, they're starting to question the captain. They're starting to question everything. And if they want to put the brakes on this, they need to start, you know, fashioning some kind of PR move to be able to calm people the hell down. And this is not the way to do it. Yeah. By leaving, you know, these weird innuendos and stuff. That's, you're just creating more problems. You really are. So, well, we, we, we talked about the goalie situation. We expected the whole free agency thing to, you know, to, for them to come out and kind of make some kind of a splash, make an offer to someone, make it, you know, bring in a player that's going to, you know, that they can bring out to the convention, trot out to the people to kind of make everyone feel a little bit better, a little more at ease. And they go out in the first hour of free agency, announce Cam Ward, announce 38-year-old Chris Kunitz, who we talked about earlier, who's now basically Andrew Brunette or, uh, you know, Patrick Sharp, and Brandon Manning. Now, of, of these three, you know, I'm, I'm okay with Cam Ward. He's okay as a backup. That's fine. I'm cool with that. It's a little bit much on the money side. Brandon Manning, fine. He's a defensive guy. He, he, he's not huge, but he's 6'1", 205. He might be able to move, you know, move some players out. He's a defensive guy. I'm not going to say, you know, you can't go out there and say he's Nicholas Jalmerson, but he could be a decent defensive guy. 
Unfortunately, he probably is about a six, you know, five, six, six, seven kind of player as far as, you know, the depth goes as far as players. So they just have a bunch of defensemen that are fifth and sixth defensemen. And then they have, uh, you know, Duncan Keith. And you get you, somewhere in there, you got, you know, Connor Murphy. We don't know where he kind of sits. He's maybe a four. They've still got huge holes on the defense. They didn't make any moves. They didn't make any trades. There were a lot of guys out there. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, all these guys, they signed up to these, you know, incredible contracts and all this, you know, over overpayment. That's what happens in free agency. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happens in free agency. You overpay for people. That's what happens. Either that or you trade for a guy that, you know, from another team that another team's trying to get rid of. They didn't do that either. And uh, they could have went out there, and then there were plenty of defensemen they could have picked up, and they didn't. And you, may, you maybe the Blackhawks didn't even have a chance. But uh, that what that says, you know, that says a lot about the state of the team as well. That that the Blackhawks can't offer a, a defenseman a chance to come in here and for you know and, and help this back end. Um, well, my, my my thing my thing with that to just. Sorry to jump in. No, but no, no, you're fine. Go. You you look at you look at uh what they've done with some of the defensemen that they have brought in in the last two, three years. They brought in Trevor Daly, who's a legitimate, like top top six, top four uh NHL quality defenseman. They bring him in, he gets used in the wrong way, gets blamed for things that are not necessarily his issues or his fault within the defensive scheme, gets traded, goes to the Penguins, wins two cups. They bring in Michael Kempney, a guy who, when he was given ice time, for the most part did a decent job in the role that he was given, um, continued to get screwed with within the defensive scheme, wasn't given a, uh, wasn't given a regular role, gets traded to Washington, becomes partners with John Carlson, and wins the Stanley Cup. If I was a free agent defenseman looking to, you know, what have you, get a, get a fresh start, get a, you know, a, a, a new perspective, maybe look for an opportunity to get an increased role in my next contract with my next team, whatever. If I'm looking at teams and I look at Chicago and I look at their recent track record with, free agent defenseman or acquired defenseman, I'm I'm a little shaky because if you walk in and you don't necessarily fit the scheme that they're trying to play rather than them rather than the Hawks change their scheme to fit a you know a higher quality defensive player, you're gonna get shipped out and under under this under this current regime. And if I'm a free agent defenseman, it's like, well, I don't want to sign a contract and have to be looking over my shoulder that if I don't play, if I don't play to their scheme, I'm going to get shipped out. So, I mean, I, we don't have John here to, to, to correct my assumptions, but I'm assuming some of these defensemen were thinking, you know, I don't want to sign somewhere that I'm going to be on pins and needles if, if I don't, if, if I'm not fitting into their system. You know, I want to sign somewhere where I'm going to have the opportunity to, you know, fit into a system that also fits my game. So, you know, maybe they maybe they reached out to a lot a, a, 
a, a number of defensive players, and they just had to kind of go down the pecking order and go from, you know, Ian Cole, okay, maybe John Moore, well, okay, maybe Calvin DeHaan, and then they just pecking order got down to Brandon Manning, and it ended up being, this is who we'll get. Um, so I don't know. I, I Just from my perspective, I, I, I look at that, and I, I wonder if that's, that maybe played an issue in, in, in their in their strategy for trying to, to sign someone uh, on the defensive end. Cause like you said, Gabe Manning is a solid six option, you know, five, six, seven option on defense. But the problem is Chicago has like six of those guys yeah. to, to create a defensive core. So I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. Nothing that they've done in the draft and in free agency currently addresses any of their needs or holes in the short term in my in my perspective yeah and to coin a phrase that uh that our boy double j uh created the other day the blackhawks are in a silent rebuild that's yep. that's what it looks like man they're 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 rebuilding they're just not telling people because it, it, to go out there and get some low money free agents not go out there and get the big fish um, when you need it and you have holes that need to be filled. Uh, that's, that's, that's rebuilding. I mean, you, you're going out there, you're stocking up on draft picks. You're trying to, you know, pick high end draft picks and you're, you're, you're trying not to spend too much money in uh, signing these long contracts, like for maybe James Van Riemsdyk. They're not signing him for five years. They're not signing anyone for anything more than a year or two. That's a rebuild, man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're looking how to they're looking how to move like a, a Brent Seabrook or get that host of money off, but they're not uh, you know they're not committing long term to anyone that's on the market right now. That's kind of a rebuild. So I don't know, Eric, you there? <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, I just had to uh, get my soapbox. I'm re- about to get up. All I'm right, <laughs> talk to us, my man. Talk to us. Let me start with Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford doesn't matter he doesn't fix this team i'm with you guys six months not on the ice he's gonna be atrocious to start they're gonna have to massage him in for sure cam ward's probably gonna start opening night it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly but guys this defense was giving up five six seven goals a night throw Corey crawford in there maybe you get two two of those off but we were atrocious people have short memory this defense was awful eddie olchek said it all year if they don't fix the back end, you got problems. They had an opportunity. The last three years have been busts. This is supposed to be a premier franchise in the league. You get swept in the first round. You get knocked out by the Blues. And, you know, you, you don't even make the playoffs last year. Where are you going? You're trending down. You could have done something about it. You could have done something with Joel Quinville. You could have just replaced him. That could have sparked the team. Look what it did for the Penguins. Uh, you could have changed out uh, Stan Bowman at GM, but you decided status quo. Guys, these these front office guys, Stan Bowman has been in the league for 10 years. He did things seven years ago that franchises still remember. Nope. We have to remember this. When you win three Stanley Cups, you're the most hated team. You've got the target on your bag in every single arena, and we did that tour three times. Nobody is trying to help us here. And we've, signed, we've, we've handcuffed ourselves to these long-term deals of players 
like Jonathan Taves, who can't score fifty more than fifty points in a season, and Brandon Side, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, who are all underachieving. Surprise, surprise! They're in their mid thirties or early. They're getting into their thirties. This, these are the types of decisions that get you in salary cap hell. So, what, so what are we doing? We're rebuilding because guess what? That's the only thing you can do. All you can do is select high draft picks and start to at least do what the Bruins are doing and start plugging in top talent who are ready to go. But guys, this engine goes as the core goes. And if Jonathan Taze isn't playing well, Brandon Side, Corey Crawford, Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, we got nothing for the long term. And it's just so disappointing that we couldn't make a single move to, to show that, hey, we're still, we're still going to be competitive. We're still going to go out there. We still have a bunch of great players. We finished last in the division, and nobody paid for it. Not a single person. And they're saying, well, if Corey was uh, was healthy, maybe we could, maybe we can get a couple more wins and make the playoffs. Well, guess what? If you made the playoffs, you get rocked. Yeah, you would one, once again. Destroyed. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the biggest loser after this season, after all free agency, draft, all the same characters, the same same uh, cast of characters here, biggest loser is the fans. Because guess what? They're paying 4% more on their season tickets. And it doesn't even seem like the Blackhawks are trying. No, and you and Stan marches out, you know, marches out in front of the press and goes, "Oh, hashtag we like our team," and you know, we we're gonna bring in Chris Kunitz and he's gonna bring in that veteran leadership, and it's a whole bunch <laughs> of horseshit. It is such horseshit, like that he stands out there with that smile on and the smirk on his face. And just shovels that bullshit into your mouth about about you know Cam Ward and Chris Kunitz, these guys in their mid thirties, and Brandon Manning, who's a depth player. And they, you know what are they going to get? Who are they going to get? All these guys sign big contracts. Get something. Do something. Do something. Make us <laughs> show people that you care because you're not by doing this. I feel like it's, you know, in free agency, the contending teams are the ones that go out and, um, you know, obviously Chicago wasn't in the running, but, uh, you know, teams that go out and get get the John Tavares type player, they go out and, you know, they sign uh, James Van Riemsdyk and, you know, they get these players at, at high costs, yes, but that's the cost of contending and, and, and winning. Chicago, I think... Uh, you know, to go to John's point, uh, or to go to John saying, you know, they're silently re- rebuilding. This season, I feel like it is setting up to be the bridge between the one goal era and this new core of players that are coming into Chicago that are supposedly going to be the future core. The guys like Nick Schmaltz and Alex Dabrinkit and, um, you know, Yokoharu and, and, and these guys that are going to be coming in and are going to be looked at as like the next kind of, you know, core pieces to the to the to the future of the organization. The problem is the bridge between, you know, one core to the next is not going to be last season. It's going to be last season, probably this season, maybe even the next season. Um, 
So I feel like the, the move to bring in Cam Ward for a year, the move to bring in Kunitz for a year, it's just to kind of get these placeholder deals, these placeholder players that can buy time between one core fading and the next core coming in. Um, and like you said, Gate, they, they try and they try and polish it up and say, you know, Chris Kunitz is going to come in and provide a, you know, a, a cup winning veteran leadership. Well, excuse me if having Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook all in that locker room who have all won three cups and have had, you know, 10 plus years experience in the NHL isn't enough veteran experience to get the rest of your young players ready to go in the league. Excuse me if you need a, a four-time Stanley Cup winner in Chris Kunitz to play on your on your fourth line for a year and give you 20 points and and take up a roster spot from a guy who's 22 that might be able to you know step in and and, and play right away or develop or what have you. Um, yeah. Uh, it 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 drove me nuts when they were when they when. It, it drives me crazy that Chicago is pushing that Chris Kunitz is this veteran presence that was missing from the locker room. Like that, that baffles me because they have multi time. This whole core is multi time Stanley cup champions. What, what player coming into this locker room is not going to look at Jonathan Taze, even though he's just turning 30 Patrick Kane, even though he's just turning 30, looking at these guys and saying these are not these are not quality NHL veterans and leaders that I can learn from. They've had 10 years in the league. They've won three cups. These are the guys that are your veteran leadership present. You don't need a near 40-year-old guy to come in and 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 be that. That makes that makes no sense. No. And I can, I can only I can only rationalize it in my mind that it is this sort of bridge season or two seasons or whatever between this group that won three cups and the next group, which they still have to sign. They still have to figure out a way to pay Alex to bring it his, his next deal and Nick Smaltz's next deal and, and figure out how they're going to be, uh, how they're going to be part of this group. But that's the group that they're going to push into that next core of, you know, the future or of the organization. So I know Aaron, you, you wrote about it, you know, Nick Schmaltz, he's, if he has another season, like he did, you know, uh, last year, he's going to not be cheap. And he's, if he's smart should know his value, especially in the way that the market is going for second and third line option centers. And if that's what he sees himself as he's going to, uh, he's going to be asking for five and six million dollars. Are the Hawks going to be able to afford that? I, I don't know. Yeah, and the when you speak about you know the old core versus the new core, Alex DeBrinket and Nick Schmaltz are not Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. They're not, not going to be probably not ever. Currently. Like you're taking a step down. You're 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 actually creating a core of lesser individuals. Which is scary. Yeah. I, let me make a, a really scary comparison for you guys. 
take a look at our old friends, the Detroit Red Wings. You had expiring contracts like Pavel Datsuk, Zetterberg still on the books, Holmstrom. Um, they haven't had a pretty rebuild there. And I've, I've got some friends who are Wings fans, and they they have their new core too. Glenn Denning and Tatar, and well, he's not there anymore, but they've been trying to get back to that status. And they've mm-hmm. been in mediocre land for a long time. Like Dylan Larkin and, and all those yeah, guys. Yeah. It's not an easy place to be. Andreas and Athanasiu. I mean, that you're you're exactly right. This is very close to what that is is with them. You got Dylan mm-hmm. Larkin, who could or could be, you know, on that, that next threshold of being a good really good player, but he's not I, I don't know that he's a, a league star like Patrick Kane. Same with Alex Debrinkett. He's going to be on that threshold. Like, he's going to score a lot of goals. He's going to get some points. Is he going to be the next Patrick Kane? No. Same with, you know, Nick Schmaltz. Like, is he going to be really good second, third-line center? Maybe he's going to have to play first center here at some point in time. But he's going to be the next Jonathan Taves in his prime. No, probably not. And I think a good question to address is how many years will Patrick Kane want to be on the last place Chicago Blackhawks for I mean, I know he has a no trade and he's comfortable in Chicago, but this guy is a competitor. He loves the game of hockey. I mean, he wants to be on – his nickname is Showtime. He wants to be on the big stage. That's why and he if, was bum-slaying in the world. That's right. And if we don't finish, you know, in the playoffs next year, what is he thinking? He's like, maybe I got three, four more years of high-level hockey. I mean, he might play till he's 40. Who knows? He's in great shape and he avoids a lot of hits, but – this guy doesn't want to be sitting on the couch in, in June. No, while you know, they track Chris Kunitz out and say, this is, you know, our next leader. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I think about that sometimes, you know, how long do, how long would Taze and Kane want to stick around if, if, if Chicago is going to be, you know, this year, next year, the year after, who knows if they're going to still be in this weird transition spot, because you're right. The, the the comparison to Detroit is is getting eerily similar, and they got they got old, and their core their next core didn't develop super fast. Um, you know it 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 did well for their minor league system. You know they they won the Calder Cup, uh, but you know that the the end all be all is what you do in the NHL. So. It's it's taken them some time, and and the core pieces that they've wanted to be the the next future, um, they're kind of on that cusp of like going to be solid players. But are they those franchise changers? Who knows? Um, and I you know I think about that like like the Patrick Kane, like how long will he want to be here? I mean, if Buffalo ever figures it out, and hopefully you know Jack Eichel can develop into the superstar that he was supposed to be, and um, you know, maybe Rasmus Dahlin ends up being the franchise changer in two, three, maybe four years. Maybe uh, who knows what what the franchise will franchises will look like. But maybe there's a deal where Patrick Kane goes to Buffalo and they contend, and he goes to his hometown. And who knows? Maybe there's a storyline there. I'm getting way too far ahead of myself. But you know, if Chicago is not going to get back to the Cup contender status. I, you got to think that, you know, at some point it's more than just I'm making ten and a half million dollars. I'm happy. Like 
like you said, these guys are pro athletes. They want to compete. They want to win. But yeah, and he could make ten and a half million dollars for another franchise that's competing by getting right. you know contract uh, traded. You know, let me read you the Detroit Red Wings' first round picks since uh, Dylan Larkin. So Dylan Larkin was fifteen in twenty fourteen. Um, in twenty fifteen, they had nineteen. Twenty sixteen, twenty. Twenty seventeen, nine. Twenty eighteen, six. So they're getting worse um, and picking higher. Sounds like. You know, very similar to the Hawks. I mean, I know the Hawks have picked in the late 20s because they've been successful, but mediocre land, if you're not – I know it's not the NBA where if you don't pick top three, you're not getting buff kiss, but you probably need to be in the top ten to get a solid player. And I don't know. I, I think this, this talk about drafting elite players, in the NHL, you have to win the lottery to get elite, elite players. And we're evidence of that, aren't we? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I would, I would agree with that. I mean, the Chicago over the last, you know, since since two thousand eight, two thousand nine, it's hard when your first round pick is in the, you know, mid to late twenties and into the thirties to get dynamic players. You're kind of at that point drafting and developing most of your guys. Um, obviously, sometimes you'll you'll hit. On players like like a Nick Schmaltz at at 20, Ryan Hartman at 30, Table Teravainen at 18, you know those guys all all worked out in some way, shape, or form with Chicago. Um, Hartman obviously worked out better in the trade that they made for him, but um, you know you look at some of these you look at some of these picks as, as you go back. Tavo they they hit on. But they had to trade him away. Uh, Mark McNeil, miss. Philip Deneau, uh, as a first-round pick, kind of a miss. But he's a quality. He's a quality player in 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 the league. And they had and they traded him away. Uh, Kevin Hayes never played in a Blackhawks uniform. You know, a lot of these top-end picks that they're picking in the mid to late twenties. Some of them have hit, but none of them are still with the team. You know, looking back, Dylan Olson, uh, that, that was a miss. And it's just when you're picking these these high end players or high end prospects as they're as they're um, projected to be, you, you got to be able to hit and you have to be able to get the most out of them. Um, and I don't they haven't done that other than Nick Schmaltz. You know, they didn't have a first-round pick in 2015. The first guy they picked was Graham Knott. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a guy who scored, what was it? I think it was nine points in a full AHL season this last year and yeah. did not play on the playoff roster. He played in 70 games, had four goals, and, like, you know, just maybe 10 points, nine, 10 points. I mean, yeah. that's – it, he's 21 years old. He's been playing on Rockford for two years. Like he should be, if he's a quality, you know, prospect, he should be doing well more than that. So that's another well, miss. I, yeah, and I just, I just look at it. I'm like, I mean, look at out of their, out of the first and second round picks that they've had. And I, and I say this completely prefacing it with there are, there are just as many players that they have picked in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, seventh rounds that 
have also panned out either with Chicago or not that have been quality NHL players. Uh, Andrew Shaw was a fifth round pick. Um, you know, Dylan Sakura, when they first picked him was in the sixth round. Um, you know, uh, just, just Vincent Estroza, sixth round pick. These are guys that are, have the ability to play in the NHL. I'm just looking at these first two rounds of the last couple of drafts and I look at it and it's just like, you know, you got Schmaltz in 2014. Great. You got Graham not in 2015. You got Debrinket, Chad, Chris and Arthur uh, Kayimov in 2016, all in the second round Debrinket hit. I, I would say that that's uh, yeah. hard to argue that he's not a hit. Chad, Chris is uh, not developing in the way that they expected. Uh, I hear great things about Kaima, but still an unknown. Um, you know, Yokoharu and Mitchell are supposed to be pretty good, but you know, it's 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 like you, you got to make sure that these are that these top picks you're getting the most out of. And I just think this regime uh, with with Chicago currently, they have a decent ability to draft, but the top end picks that they make, if for the most part, the ones that have hit, they're not on the team anymore. Or they did. Yeah. They, or they just didn't develop. They're just kind of hanging out and being, mm-hmm. you know, being whatever they are. And kind of to circle back with what Aaron was saying, it's like, yeah, probably in the first 10, maybe in a really good draft, the first 12, you're going to get pretty much a well-rounded eventual NHL player. Then after that, you're going to draft a player who may make it to the NHL, but is going to have a hole in their game somewhere, whether mm-hmm. it's physicality, you know, they're not going to be well-rounded. They're going to have something that's going to need to be developed, or you're going to have to be able to accept like Alex Dabrinkit, his size. Like, can you accept that he's only five foot seven or five foot six or whatever right now they can, is it going to show up? You know, is it going to show up as a problem later down the road? It might. But you got to learn to say, well, we're going to have to accept that and take that chance. Same with kind of Schmaltz with not being as physical. If he was as, you know, if he was more physical and stuff, he probably would have been picked higher in the draft. Mm-hmm. You're going to miss, you know, one of those top end skills are going to be missing in anything past the top 10 or, or, or dozen picks. So that's kind of where the Blackhawks are with that. Some, and, and sometimes they haven't even been close, you know? Yeah. With like you said, you know, a, a long time ago with Dylan Olson and Graham Knott and, and and players like that, like they've completely whiffed on those guys. So I don't know. I mean, you know, we're, we're clearly we're not happy about this free agency thing. It's just kind of a sign that they're going to sit there on their hands and uh, hope that you know they get lucky this season, which doesn't you know sure that that could look all good and well during the regular season if they make the playoffs but once they hit the playoffs it's not gonna they're not gonna be able to do anything with this roster as it's constructed yeah and and, uh, i just you know we we mentioned it before aaron was talking about it um you know Corey crawford doesn't maybe change the complexion of a of this team a little bit last year i mean he for for all his efforts Last year, let's say he stays healthy the rest of the year. He keeps the team alive, but it's li- it's life support. And it's, you know, maybe they don't finish last in the division, but I even with Crawford playing at the level he did last year, 
I, I still don't think it would have been enough to overcome what that team was. And maybe they smell the playoffs, but I still don't. I, I don't think that they get in if Crawford was healthy all year. I think eventually the 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 play out in front of him was going to catch up with what he was able to do in the crease. And you know, I you know this year, if he is the old Corey Crawford, I still think with the way this roster is made up, the way I look at it, unless I'm missing something. This is is still a smell the playoff team, but probably won't make it. Yeah, I think we're on agreement on that. And uh, you know that, that's a big if. That's if Corey Crawford can can come back. If he doesn't come back, this could be ugly. It'll be it'll be a, another lottery year. Yeah, it, it, this is going to be like early two thousands Blackhawks is what it's going to look like. Only you're going to have Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane out there pulling their hair out. Right. So, well, I think, yeah. I, no, go ahead. Well, I was just, I was just going to say it's, it's, it's going to be one of, one of the, this stretch is going to be one of the most interesting, I think, in this, in this era of the team, because, you know, post, post 0405 lockout, you know, there were, there were, you know, some, some, still some tough years, but you got Jonathan Taze in the 06 draft, and he was promising prospect. You know, gonna, you knew he was gonna be something special. You get Patrick Kane in in, in the 07 draft, and there was a future. There was a direction. There was, you know, there was a lot of excitement, and then they, you know. I don't have to go into it because everyone knows what snowballed from there. In this spot that the Hawks are in right now, they might be going into another transition where it's like, you're going to have to get some young prosperous talent into the system. And you're going to have to have a promising future, a promising direction. And I think right now they're kind of, kind of trying to do that, but they're not, the direct the the promising direction isn't there. It's not. I don't. I don't look at this team two and three years ahead of time and feel confident. I know what's going to come. Like, you know, with 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 the Schmaltz and and Debrinkat contract situations moving uh, moving forward, Dylan Sakura's development. Like, you know, currently what the defense looks like is is promising with with Yogaharu and Mitchell and you know maybe Boquez too. You know that's that's got a little bit of more promise I in, in my in my perspective, but it just seems like the direction of the team is still foggy. It's still murky. And and, and throw on top of that, you have uh you have a, a head coach and a general manager who for you know for those of us you know in, in the realm of the know that we are their futures also look kind of foggy and murky. We don't Very. know if we don't know if Quenville and or Bowman will finish the year with Chicago this next season. So it's it's all it's 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 a lot of moving pieces, but the direction is still kind of to be determined. So it's it's a weird spot as a fan to be in because you want you don't know if you want to see your team pull through and 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 do well the way it's currently constructed 
Or if you want to be like, look, I understand we're rebuilding. We need to get future pieces in here. And by doing that, to Aaron's point, you got to be in the lottery and you got to get, you know, top five types of draft picks and you got to hit on them. So, yeah, I mean, I from 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 my veil of a fan's perspective, it's it's very gray and murky out there. Yeah. Here's a scenario that you guys haven't thought of. What if the young players have to carry this team again? Because we saw Nick Schmaltz, Alex Dabrinkit, the young guys, when we're down 6-1, they're scoring garbage goals. I remember I was in L.A. and I saw them, uh, I think it was the Anaheim game, getting blown out. Nick Schmaltz scores a really nice goal. There's, these guys are, are playing for their careers. You know, They've, they've got money on the line. They've, they're invested. They're, they don't have $10 million coming in every year for the next eight years. So mm-hmm. my question for you guys is, hey, what if Dylan Sakura is actually the Hobie Baker type player that he that he was in college? What if he comes in and he's a, he's a Nick Schmaltz and he scores 50 points? What if he gets 20 goals and 30 assists like Nick Schmaltz did? The guy's an RFA the following year. What are you, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Plus Debrinket, plus Schmaltz. They'd all be RFAs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, they're 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 in they're in a, a, a tight situation. That's and I think that's where you got to come in with like you know if they do make a move to trade Brent Seabrook in his contract to pre- to move Artem Anisimov and his contract to move Marion Hosa's contract. If they're moving those deals, do they do it in the realm of we're getting? we're getting pieces for the future that are going to be high end and are going to move the team forward through the next couple of years. Or do they do that? Like, like currently they could, they could still move those contracts this, this off season or one of those deals or do something like that and have cap space and use it to, you know, uh, make make a deal for for a high-end player uh for the long term um could they do that next off season make deals like that create cap room and then there are your schmaltz to bring sakura contracts you know it's 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 a sticky situation that 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 the team is in because they're in this transition transition period and they're I would love for Dylan Sakura to come out and score 50 points next year. I would love to see Nick Schmaltz and Alex Dabrinkat have 50-point seasons again because then I would be at least excited to know that there is there are prospects. Well, more, they, they're more than prospects now. But there are young players that can drive the franchise forward into the next couple of years whether they sign is another question but i i think that they would have to do whatever they can to keep those players because if you say you lose two of those guys then you're right back where we are right now where you don't have the young core talent that's going to come right into the organization and make an impact um so i don't know i'm i'm actually in my head starting to think and i and i it pains me to say it but it might end up being like 
you know, maybe they maybe they have to uh, to dump like Keith's contract or something. Like if he's if he's going to be you know thirty six, thirty seven, and, and you got to figure we've already started to see it, but you got to figure that there's going to be a skill decline with with Keith, and um, he's got you know he's going to be he's under contract till he's like thirty nine, forty, close to it at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean he's. I know it's a sweet deal from when he signed it when the highest paid players were making eight million a year, but now guys are making ten, eleven, twelve million a year. And it's still a good deal, but now it's like that money that he's making now is now kind of catching up to what his production is going to be. Not what his role is gonna be, but what his production's gonna be. So it's Yeah, well I could see that happening. You know, some team that needs to needs that guy that can uh, not necessarily be the top pairing guy, but be right behind there and be able to, you know, play a lot of minutes and, and he's got a lot of experience and he's Toronto. still got wheels and he could go in there and it's an affordable, it's pretty affordable contract as far as defensemen go. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening. You know, they unload that because just because they have to, because that's one of the only ones they can get off the books. So, right. I don't see it. I don't see Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith. Marion Hosa, no way. No one no one wants these guys until they're 39 years old unless we're retaining salary, and Stan's not going to do that. No one, Nobody even wants this Marion Hosa contract because it's three years. Nobody wants to dedicate three years of putting $5 million on their cap. doesn't matter how much they're actually paying. Oh, I, well, no, I disagree with that. I think that they're with the cap jump that, that happened – this off season, I think there are going to be teams that will need to be that are going to be in a situation that they have to get to the cap for. I mean, you you look at what Ottawa is doing; nope. they're 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 trying to package Eric Carlson and Bobby Ryan together. How are they going to get to the cap for if what's if they're if they're packaging up eighteen million? What's the difference between picking up Marion, trading Mar- for Marion Hosa, or just taking a free agent and paying him? Well, are you going to just take? I mean, you take up a free agent and well, yeah. Get, well, it's gonna be real yeah, money right. too. They're gonna to yeah, save real that's money. Fine. I'm just saying that no one's dying to get to the cap floor like everybody keeps saying. Like, oh, you guys need Marion Hosa to get to the floor. No, I think that's that. The other teams have the leverage. We're the ones that are handicapped with this contract. We're the ones that are screwed. We're gonna to have to give up the sun, the moon, the stars to get this stupid contract off. It's three years. Yeah, but. It, 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 if you compare know. if you compare Keith to the Hosa thing, Keith has value. He can play. He will play eighty two games for you. He will play big minutes. And sure, you may, at the end you may you know five million dollars may not look good towards the very end. But for at least a couple three four years three years maybe, Duncan Keith can play a a, a big part of your you know defensive organization with his experience and his skill set. Yeah, Especially, that's that's fine. P- yeah. First step is the no move clause, and the second step is finding a partner who wants to take on five years of Duncan Keith till he's thirty nine. Oh, there are people who do it. <laughs> yeah, look at the look at the fucking Los Angeles Kings. They just signed Ilya Kovalchuk for some stupid amount of, of of you know for three years with with all this ridiculousness. I mean, there's teams out there who will do it. I agree with you that it is, you know, it, it is a very narrow path. There is only a handful of people who are going to be able to fit there. And the same with the 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 same with the hitting the floor thing. You know, the Jets, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Devils, 
the Hurricanes. And, you know, there's only a handful of teams and, and soon to be the uh, the Ottawa Senators that are going to have to hit that floor. But there will, you know, there's probably going to be a team out there who would take the contract for three years because they're going to need three years to be able to hit the floor because they're rebuilding or whatever they're doing. You know, John's a little more steadfast as, as far as, like, you know, Ottawa Senators aren't going to be a floor team for three years. Well, they probably are. They're completely rebuilding from the bottom up, and, and they're not going to do a Toronto type of thing. It's not going to be that quick. So three years, it's very easily they could take three years for them to be able to build up to be contender. Unfortunately, you only have, like, the Ottawa Senators <laughs> that are in that position. So, yes, I agree with you. You're going to have to package something along with that. They're just not going to take it off that Blackhawks' hands and give them back something of quality. That's not going to happen. So, you know, I disagree with part of that, but I agree with a majority of it. I, I'm with you on that. I just think the Blackhawks and Stan Bowman are married to all these deals. Corey Crawford for the next two years. Seabrook, Keith, Kane, Taze, maybe not Saad, Hosa, Anisimov. I mean, this is the bed that we made. We can't just trade it off because it doesn't work anymore. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly just got traded in his $7 million contract. And he, he actually got, you know, there was a return on that one. And, you know, he's not the youngest guy and he's not the best, you know, he's not like depth center. He's not a first line center. And they, they the Blues sent a whole ton of stuff over there because it was a need. If a team needs a defenseman, and a lot of teams do need defensemen, like Duncan Keith, they could take it off the Blackhawks' hands. Didn't and, have a no move. Huh? Didn't have a choice. Didn't have a no move clause. Well, I mean, no move clauses can be worked around. If the Blackhawks, you know, it's been, you know, players have gone on the record saying, that if a team doesn't want me, I don't want to be here. Like if if a team wants me to go and wants to trade me, I don't want to be here. They just have they just give players and agents control to say, hey, you can't move me this second. But if Duncan Keith realizes that the Blackhawks don't want him anymore, he's not part of the future. They're rebuilding and they're going to suck. I'm pretty pretty uh, confident that Duncan Keith's going to say, you know what? All right, I'll waive it if you're going to send me to. And I'm just throwing a name out there. I'm not. I, there's no. You know the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, or, or you know the the Lightning, or whatever. Maple Leafs. Yeah, anything like that. Yeah, Maple Leafs, something like that. You know, or or the up and coming now Winnipeg Jets, who now are have twenty seven million dollars in cap space. To, right there at this second, like Duncan Keith could say, you know what, screw it, I'll go try and win. You know, as a you know as a leader in the locker room behind Jacob Truba behind. You know, all these young kids, I'll go help them out and, and tow along for a little bit for a cup. Yeah, but, but, but the second you trade Duncan Keith, the whole city of Chicago knows this window's closed and the hype is over. The, the window's well, closed. Well, the window the, is closed. Yeah, here's the, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not bringing this up saying, saying, oh, they're trading him this year. I'm just saying, like... Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm saying... Completely hypothetical. Down the road, if that's a, if that's a deal that you, if that's a contract that you can move to create space for the future, that's that's an option that you can that you can do. I'm not saying trade them this off season. I'm just saying down the down the road all that might be that might be something you. you what you're do. saying is all options have to be open. Yeah, and if you're restricted to a guy who actually has value. That might be one of the guys that that's going to have value because at some point we don't know if Corey Crawford's going to have any value. 
Mm. He did last year, but maybe he didn't because maybe there were whispers of him having problems or whatever. Um, you know, it, some of these, you know, the, the, the host of thing is a whole nother thing altogether because that's just a money thing. But, right. you know, you know, if, if it is going to be a rebuild, okay, maybe Brandon Saad has, you know, has value. Although you'd have to be selling him. I think the Blackhawks are hoping he scores a ton of points this year so that maybe they do put him on the market next year. You know, they can recoup some value on him. But it, 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 yeah. it'll be really interesting to see if we do falter and this team is not good next year. I mean, are we truly going to be sellers? Oh, yeah. I think they. I I think if this team is is yet again in the lottery, uh, this time next year, and and the fan base and the organization goes through another season that they did like last season, then they that then it's no it's no longer this this secret quiet rebuild. It's like there's no more illusion that the cup window is open. There's no more illusion that you know minor contract. Uh, or minor free agency moves are gonna are going to make this team a contender. No, it's it's build it from the ground up, invest in your future, and you're starting over. And and it's going to mean front office changes. It's going to mean coaching staff changes. And it's you just gotta you gotta start it up. And I've I've just I've been, I've been saying this. You know, in in my head, and and if it, it's it's kind of this struggle that that I have with the team is that if they're making all of these kind of like tweener, kind of gonna work out, probably won't moves. If they're gonna be bad, be bad and be young, because if you're gonna if if you're just gonna be bad, at least have your young players in there to show that like, look, we're going to get some development. We're going to get these young guys, some NHL time and, you know, get your growing pains out early. And I feel like if, if you're doing these tweener moves, but you're still going to be bad, you're going to be bad for a long time. And I, I don't think that that's something that a lot of people in, 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 in the Blackhawks fan base are prepared for because of what most to everyone has experienced over the last decade. So, well, yeah, that, and, and, and now, now this, this turns to, and you mentioned it, the back office. Um, if this team is currently constructed and I, 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 I have no reason to believe they're going to make any kind of significant moves, even though, you know, there, there are, and I, and I leave this to John, there are whispers in the background the Blackhawks may investigate it. I don't think they have the balls to make a big move, a huge move to actually bring yeah. in talent, maybe unload talent, but not bring in talent. Um, Joe Quenville isn't going to make it through the season. If I, they, if they start slow, like if they're, you know, a couple games under 500 by late November, December, I don't think the new year starts with Quenville behind the bench. Which would be rough with uh, them being in the Winter Classic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- I'm with you. I mean, I, I think Joel Quenville's kind of uh, outlived his... And-, and-, and I hate hearing people take this out so out of context. Well, who is better out there? Well, right now, anything. Like, 
Joe Quenville is not going to be the great cup-winning coach until he dies. Like, sometimes sometimes things pass you by. And maybe Joe Quenville's time has passed by, you know? And sure, you, you may have to bring in a, a younger, uh, you know, how, how do coaches, you know, where did Joe Quenville come from? He didn't just appear on the scene as a well-developed coach. Like, someone took a chance on him at one point in time, and he came up, and he became a good good NHL coach, one of the best of all time. That could be Jeremy Carlton. That could be anyone. Like, there's going to be that next level of things. You can't just say, well, who who is better out there? We don't know. Who's going to be that next level of coach? To say that there there is no next level of coach that can come in here and then build on this and make this, you know, the next the next wave of the Blackhawks, you know, generation is stupid. It's asinine. And the same goes with Stan Bowman. Like, I don't think Stan Bowman is equipped to, to take this team through a rebuild. He took a very good team and he could and he held it together with bits and pieces and band-aids and whatever through a, a long period of time. Won three cups, holding together a team that was built pretty much by other people. That's fine. That's great. You know, and he he maneuvered some cap problems, and but you know, there's a lot of things he didn't do well, and I don't think he can build this team from the ground or at least from the low levels with you know bits and pieces and shards of glass. I don't think he can build this team into something. I think you you need to get you you need to move on from Stan Bowman, you know, even you know like Toronto with you know Kyle Dubas and some of these guys are there are young bright minds that could possibly come in here and start you fresh, you know, like a, a, a Theo Epstein kind of guy. You know what I mean? Well, that's would, what yeah. I, would, I mean that's what. Go ahead, Aaron. I would be even okay with Mark Kelly. Maybe. I mean, yeah. Just to say that who's better out there? Maybe there isn't anyone on the surface that's better out there. I mean, if there was someone that was out there, don't you think they would be scooped up right away? Like, it, it's 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 a, it's a silly it's a silly argument that there's going to be some guy that's going to be the the cure of all the ills that's just sitting out there in limbo, waiting. Like that's that's not what it is. you're going to have to take a chance. You're going to have to find someone. You're going to have to do your work. Do your investigations. Look at their backgrounds. See what they do. I mean, it's going to take work. But there is going to be people out there that are going to be the next wave of great general managers and coaches out there. And that's probably what the Blackhawks are going to have to do. Instead of, you know, keeping the quote, you know, the Mike Ditka way too long because he won the Super Bowl. Or the Joel Quenville because he won the cup four years ago or, or whatever. Like, hanging on to someone is just as bad. Hanging on to someone who had glory four years ago and now maybe, you know, just probably passed, maybe passed his prime is irresponsible in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the defense of, oh, yeah, well, he won three cups. Well, okay, but where, where had, that's, I mean, you can't discredit that, of course. But where, where has the team gone in the last three years? We met, you know, it's out in seven in the first round, swept in the first round, lottery pick. Uh, the the trend of where they're going under the current coaching staff and and current general, uh, you know, uh, general manager front office is down. They're trending downwards, yep. and you have to be able to make changes to change that trend. Look at um, 
uh, a guy like uh, Bruce Boudreau. He's, you know, he's had a lot of success at a lot of different teams and he's got his teams, you know, success in the regular season, success in the playoffs. And he's been axed and, and it's, you know, yeah, he hasn't had like the cup success that Quenville has had, but he's a, a high end quality coach in the NHL. Say what you want about him, but he is a high end coach that has had a lot of success as, as, as a head coach. And he's been let go because the direction in which those teams were going was not satisfactory. And currently the direction that the Blackhawks are going is not satisfactory. And it's, it's, it's how the team is put together and it's how the team that has been put together is being directed by the coaching staff that makes, makes a significant difference in the direction in which the team is going to go in the future. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dan Bilesma, Barry Trotz, um, you know, Daryl Sutter, all these coaches have won. And you know what? They ended up getting fired because mm-hmm. what if, for whatever reason, the organization or whatever had passed them by, their time had passed. It's time, you know, it's going to be, and, and this is no, no, no slight on Joe Quinville because he could probably go coach somewhere else. But at some point in time, you know, the, the life of an NHL head coach is not 20 years. Not anymore. No, it's not. You know, it, it, he may go somewhere and have a little bit of success with a different organization or a different situation. But at this point in time, it's just getting stale and they're, they're, they're in the mud spinning their wheels and they're going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. If you, you know, you, you need help, you, you need something to, to help out. And, uh, and, and that's, what's going to be, that's what it's going to have to be. If it's not, you're going to sit here and you're going to live on the glory of three years ago. And then it's going to be living on the glory of four years ago. And then it's going to be living on the glory of five years ago. And it's just going to keep going like that year mm-hmm. after year. And then so. you build your, and then you build yourself in a hole into which, you know, down the line, Blackhawks fans are going to start sounding like bears fans and say, Oh, you know, 85, that was the year we're yeah. going to go back and say, yeah, 20, 2010 and 13 and 15. Those, those are the days 20 years from now when they haven't been in the playoffs for, you know, however long, but yeah, everyone's still worshiping, you know, Steve McMichael and, uh, you know, yeah. Jim Jim McMahon can still come around and get free drinks because he won one Super Bowl thirty years ago. You know, mm-hmm. it's like let us let, move past this. Let's be let's be better than that. Easy you know? guys, easy. <laughs> let's be better. All right. Well, that's that's all. That's our ranting. I think. Right? Huh? I think we I think we hit all the points we wanted to hit. I I want to say one more thing before we okay. go on questions. Um. You know, there is reason to be optimistic about a lot of the young players, and which I think we all encourage everybody who can head out to prospect camp. You know, Monday through Thursday is a lot of drills. That's just how they have it designed now. But there's a scrimmage Friday morning. Um, you get to see a lot of the top players. This system's definitely overhauled. Um, there's going to be a lot of top defensemen, um, a lot of good good players i mean we went last year and we were impressed by a handful of guys um and it was competitive um and and we saw that's where we pretty much spotted colin delia or delia so um there's there's good things to come out of this camp and i think that's the we're going to get a first look at adam boquist and see how he can skate and and the other first round pick bodane um and everybody else i know ian mitchell's going to be there chad chris probably and the whole cast of characters but yeah, I, I think there's reason to be optimistic about these young players, especially some of the guys getting into the AHL now. 
I, I I've watched Blake Hillman for a couple seasons and I like what he brings. It's a lot of skill. So don't be surprised that some of these other guys who aren't necessarily um, the most talked about prospects surprise you uh, in training camp or in the AHL. There's good things going on. And that was a, a main uh, point for Stan Bowman was to overhaul the whole farm system from the ECHL on up. So there are good things happening as much as we're griping. So definitely uh, we don't want to make it seem like the, the sky is falling. Oh, it's falling. <laughs> oh, well, well, Aaron, you forgot to mention the most important prospect. Who's that? Tim Soderlin. Oh, God. The great yeah, Tim he'll Soderlin. Be, he'll be there. Fresh yeah, off he, the boat. He'll be there. Going to play it for Lunda next year. Yeah. Well, well, we'll have lots of reports on that. I'll be out there, like I said. Uh, we'll extensively be out there. And then all the people can talk can talk down to the fact that you're, we're just looking at people in drills and, and stuff like that, even though those people are sitting at home on their computer petting their cats. So, yeah. Freak. And then they, yeah, they can look down on us while we're out there actually, you know, looking at prospects and doing a little bit of uh, scouting. So, well, sorry, you guys, so sorry we're doing that. You guys do understand that, you know, 99% of people don't know anything about any of these prospects, right? Right, right. Oh, okay. Especially us, Good. too, that sat out there for five days last week and, or last year. And, and I've done for the last probably six years watching these prospects. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. if anyone decides to come out, we'll, we'll be the... Uh, the grumpy guys up at the top of the bleachers just griping about uh, <laughs> what we should have done in free agency. So you'll you'll know who we are. Yeah, screaming about Graham Knott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get some questions. I know a lot of these we've already covered, so we're going to probably – hopefully we'll fly through these. Um, Chuck Bessler sent in a question. Do you guys think more ownership rather than Bowman? Uh, uh, it's more ownership rather than Bowman for the Hawks. Recent free agent trade failure. Maybe the Hawks' ownership wouldn't allow it. Bowman to give up assets to clear more cap space, i.e. Hosa, or the uh, acquire the players. Can I, I take mean, that? Go ahead. Uh, no, I disagree. I don't think it's Rocky at all. Rocky has been very hands-off this whole time, and he did that article in Crane that said, hey, nothing lasts forever, and um, you know we understand that we're going to have to make changes if things aren't working. At the end of the day, he's a businessman. The Blackhawks haven't won a home playoff game in – Almost three years, right? Two and a half years. He's not making money. He's not happy. Um, he's not blocking any trades, I don't think. Um, you know, this guy wants the team to do well more than anybody, and he was patient before. He's going to be patient again. So I think this is really a lot of Stan Bowman in the front office um, tying our hands together with long-term contracts and just getting this core to perform the way they planned. So I, I don't think ownership is involved in some of the uh, downward trending. I think things. the only I, I think the only people that he may he may like question is kind of those those PR guys like Kane or Taves. Not that they were going to be traded, but I would think if it was brought up and you're like, unless you're bringing someone in here that's going to be some kind of you know be able to sell me tickets. Like I don't want you getting rid of Kane. I don't want you getting rid of Taves. Other than that, I think for the most you know for the most part it's open season. You know, you can if you could get some guy out of here and, and sell tickets, I think Rocky would be all for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mr. Ricochet, are the Hawks in a soft rebuild? If so, will it lead to a full rebuild? Are they rebuilding without announcing it? I think we addressed that pretty well. Yeah. Um, straight white male on uh, Twitter. Will Jack Hughes look better in a Blackhawks jersey or Avalanche jersey? 
Uh, I think it looked really good in a Blackhawks jersey, so uh, I think our boy Sean White came up with the lose for Hughes hashtag, which I will be using the entire rest of the season. So lose for Hughes, hashtag lose for Hughes. It's going to be one of those years. Yeah, he could end up on Ottawa, honestly, uh, over the Avalanche. I think the Avalanche aren't, aren't going to be uh, bad enough to be able to get Hughes. I think they're going to be no, like, decent. They have the pick. Yeah, Ottawa doesn't have, a, oh, Ottawa yeah, doesn't right. have their first-round yeah, right. pick. I forgot about that, which yeah. was stupid. I'll go on well, record. Unless, unless Kachuk turns into you know an all-star. Yeah. Well, he could, but Hughes may be even better. Yeah. Uh, ben Tallman, are we fucked or completely fucked? Completely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah Muir on... Uh, uh, she sent in a question. Uh, are the Hawks in a stealth rebuild mode? Yes, I think we talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be hashtag, uh, you know, quiet rebuild or whatever, silent rebuild. Uh, are they uh, are they setting up for a blow up if or when the season doesn't go well from the start? I can get my I can't get my mind around the Ward Kunitz, but Manning I don't get unless there is a trade of a defenseman coming, Forsling or Murphy. Still need a, a number one D. Or our end center, uh, we I think they can get away without a number one D, but they do need like middle depth, uh, and they do need a center that can win some faceoffs, which they don't have. Yeah, anything they, on that, you guys? I mean, yeah, center depth they're they're thin. Um, Schultz is, I mean, he they're gonna they're gonna play him at center, um, whether he wins forty percent of his faceoffs or not. Uh, Anisimov might be their third center or he might get traded. You know, it's uh, still up in the air, but if he's the third center option, I mean, that's fine. It's not great. David camp is, is a very good option as a, as a fourth line center. He can uh, obviously win faceoffs um, at a, at a higher rate than Anisimov and, and Schmaltz can. So um, unless they do something to, address getting another second or third center option um, while still moving an Isimov's contract, uh, their, their, their center depth is thin. Um, and I'm with you, Gay. I, they, they can piecemeal the defense, um, but not with what they have currently. It's, it's not going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. The top end people are going to look better if you fill in the middle a little bit. Right. So, I mean, they, they've shown that for years. I mean, when they had Jalmerson and, you know, when Odui was in his prime, like those guys ate up minutes and they, they eased, eased the pressure off of Keith and, and Seabrook a lot. And, and now it's even, you know, now it's even more evident of that. So, you know, mm-hmm. Sandra mentions a blow up if uh, the season doesn't start off well. I really don't see it. I think, I think the, the Blackhawks' growth happens so fast and they're right this is a really really young fan base who doesn't remember um the dark ages who doesn't really know how to lose and we've generally generally and we've experienced and this is the new the new group i'm saying not not everybody but um this new group only knows championships and the last three years we haven't been successful and what do we see? I mean, we see empty United centers because nobody can afford to go. No one wants to. No one can sell the tickets. I mean, they're all below face value. I mean, the Blackhawks really set themselves up for this. I, I think they thought everything was going to be great for the next, you know, five to ten years again, and it's just not. So I don't think they can afford to blow anything up um, logistically. 
No, I, I like I said, I think I don't think Quinnville makes it past the halfway point of the season, and uh, and they're not going to fire the GM midseason. That just hardly ever happens. Um, I, I think you know Bowman will get at least the full season. Um, my 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 fear is is that they're 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 terrible, and Quenville goes, and they kind of give Bowman a little bit more leash to kind of go with his whoever he hires, and they let him go into next season. Which I'm just like, it's time, it's time, guys. It's stop well, holding on to this. Hope that you know someone's going to be able to take the reins and turn this thing around because it's it's slowly going out of control. Well, do you feel like that leash that they may give Bowman is tied to this notion that I, I feel like a lot of people um, feel that like the Blackhawks have drafted well the last handful of drafts and that they say, well, let's see who Bowman's guys turn into out of these drafts. Like, do we give him an extra year to see if Yokoharu and Ian Mitchell and, and um, you know, these guys, if those top-end draft picks, Evan Barrett, these these guys that he picked in these last handful of drafts, if they turn into these young players that Chicago is going to build their, their future around. I do. I, I actually do think it could be tied to that. And I, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think I'm thinking about, you know, the, the way we're, what we're going to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That makes that makes a lot of sense, unfortunately. Can I read this next one? Uh, from Boomer? Yeah. Boomer yeah, GWC. Go ahead. This is my favorite question. Boomer at Boomer GWC. What is it that others see in Henestrosa that I don't? People see him as a top six winger, and I don't know. He skates like the wind, but doesn't know what to do with the puck afterwards. So my question is, why am I dumb? <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> Take it. You are not dumb, my friend. I am in the same boat as you. A lot of people like Henestrosa because of his speed and it, it seemed like his he's got a really good sense for the game. I mean his playmaking ability is there, but I don't know. I feel like he gets thrown off the puck a lot. He loses it. He he can't really hone and, and control his speed. I'm with you. I don't I don't know if he's top six potential. It would be nice, but I I'm in in the boat where it's he's a little overrated. What do you guys think? Well, he's he's a he's a third line winger forced into a top line option because the Blackhawks don't want to put Patrick Kane as the number one right wing because they want us they want to spread out this talent that they have across the top six. If if Chicago had a legitimate top line right winger, that you know if if Marion Hosa didn't have. Uh, his his issues that forced him into early retirement. I, I think Hinostroza would slot in pretty nicely as a as a third or fourth line wing, and that you know uh, that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with being that. Lot lots of NHL players make their entire career being third and fourth line wings. I think Hinostroza would be a perfect third fourth line wing option. It's just the way this roster is made out to be he's kind of forced into being like, well, let's play him at the top line because we're out of options. You know, we're their, 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 their choices are slimmer than most other teams. So I, I think Kinestroza has a, has a, has a fine skill set. Um, but I think just the way the organization is built out right now, he's, 
he's kind of thrown into a position that is a little bit out of his out of his realm currently at least i'm i'm completely with you on that he's a he's a fine third line guy he's i mean if you remember how, how everyone described victor uh Stalberg. he was a guy who had a lot of skating speed couldn't get the hands together but he had, he played a role on the blackhawks for a while and that's yeah. kind of what Henestrosa is. He's kind of like the Notre Dame version of Victor Stahlberg. I mean, <laughs> he's got a lot of speed. He, you know, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. He, you know, he does get to those dirtier areas, even though he's a smaller bodied guy. And, uh, you know, he's, he's willing to kind of sacrifice himself a little bit. But when you try to put him out there to be a top line winger, uh, yeah, he's not really a top line winger. He can only be, you know, put in there in spot duty. Uh, he's not a long-term, you know, top, even top six guy, I don't think. So I think no. we're kind of all in agreement on that. Um, so, uh, how do birds work? I don't know, he's, <laughs> I don't know that's a good question. Uh, how do birds work <laughs> on Twitter? With the Manning signing, we have a glut of bottom pair defensemen. Who gets moved out? Who would you want moved? And finally, is there no way that we try a god-awful eight-man derotation de- de- again, right? Um, Before you guys jump in, let me read you. A, I think I sent this to you, but I wanted to read it for the podcast. Okay. It's, I sent my buddy a text message who's a diehard Flyers fan. I said, what do I need to know about Brandon Manning? He tells me, Manning is just okay. He's a good sixth defenseman. So I'm like, okay, great. Really good with the puck, but a turnover machine sometimes. Flyers fan base started to resent him because he was playing top four minutes, um, which he shouldn't even touch. Oh, great. So there's a little preview for you guys. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Promising. Very. Yeah. I mean, they're right now they're going to be doing the same thing. They're going to be rotating a whole bunch of, you know, a whole bunch of fifth and sixth defensemen in top four roles that, you know, maybe – Jan Ruda develops a little more, but he only, he got hurt last year. Um, you know, Eric Gustafson is, is what he is. Uh, Connor Murphy is okay. Like no one in there is really going to grab your attention this year. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, the, the organizational depth that they have at defense and I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm realizing realistically not one of their defensemen that they're going to put on the on the ice this year in the NHL is really higher than a 4 like realistically outside the rose colored glasses of of being a blackhawks fan is duncan keith on most other nhl rosters higher than a, a 3 or 4 he could be i think duncan keith is is he could be a 2 I don't think he's a one on a lot of teams. I mean, you could probably put him in, like, say Ottawa gets rid of, uh, you know, Eric Carlson, and he could go there and be a one. Yeah, but that, but that's, but that's in Ottawa. Right, that's right, a team right. That's that's a that's a dumpster fire. Right. I'm saying I'm saying most other NHL teams that have rather you know mid mid end defensive talent. Yeah, like the Lightning. No, he's not. Uh, right. Washington. No, he's not. Uh, you know, any of these top teams that made it to the, the Final Four. Vegas, maybe, but that's a weird situation there. So we can discount right. that one. Um, yeah. You know, uh, in Winnipeg, no. Uh, 
you know, it lists any team that, you know, kind of made it far in the playoffs, and no, he's not the number one guy there. Mm-hmm. He may so be I a just, number two I'm, at best. So I'm just looking at it. I'm like, I'm like, their entire top six is made up of guys that are, you know, threes, fours, fives, and sixes, and lots of fives and sixes. Yeah. Um, to answer the question, I would say if I'm constructing the top six right now, from 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 my perspective, uh, and in no particular order, um, you know, I would I would say Keith and Seabrook are in there. Connor Murphy's in there. Brandon Manning's in there. Uh, Jan Ruda's in there. I would put Gustav Forsling in there just because of my mentality of a, if you're going to be bad, at least be bad and young. Um, Forsling, a lot of I, I don't know what this is about, uh, about Forsling. People already kind of jumping off the boat on his development. The kid's 22. I mean, we got him when he was 19. Like, yeah, he's been around for a few years, but like, def- look at Brandon Manning. Every everyone's saying, oh, Brandon Manning, he's 28, but he's a late bloomer. Well, okay, you got Gustav Forsling, who's 22, and probably on on a, a, a decent number of NHL teams, he's a regular in the top six. So give him give him this year. I I I would say give him this year and and see what he can do at the NHL level. Um, so yeah, I'd go Keith Seabrook, Murphy, Manning, Ruta, Forsling as my top six with Gustafson, Osterley, and uh Blake Hillman shuffling in yeah. and you know if if we're gonna if 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 Chicago's gonna be bad and be young play Yokoharu this year screw it like let's let's see what the kid can do against men that's the problem what you, you go back to Joel Quenville yeah like, Quenville would not do that no exactly that's why you got to move on from him if you want to go young you have to move on from Joel Quenville I don't give everyone wants to be wants to talk you know with this you know, the, the, this wisecrack out of the side of their mouth. Oh, well, you know, you guys said that Joe Quinville doesn't play young players. He didn't have a choice with some of these players. Right. You, you look at the way he beat some of these guys down, the, especially defensive prospects. Look at Michael Ketney. He's a prime fucking example. He beat the hell out of Michael Ketney so much so that he almost went back to Europe. The only saving grace was he was traded to a team that would actually let him play and he turned into a decent player, and now he it's turned into a contract where he's going to actually have a home for a couple of years, and he's going to get to play, and he's not going to have Joe Quenville barking over his shoulder, sitting him down for you know on a, on a mediocre team. He went to a Stanley Cup winning team that went out there and let him play, but he yet he had Joe Quenville here barking over his shoulder, giving him you know making him sit for three weeks at a time, mm-hmm. and then he comes out, and he scores a goal in his first game. And then he screws up later in the game, and then he sits for. It was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's no way you're going to get some kind of youth movement going on here with Joe Quenville at the helm. I'm sorry, he's just not going to happen. He's not here to build something from youth. He's not. He he was given a team that was on the precipice of being great, and he took that team and he pushed them over the edge. He's not a guy that's going to build a team from the bottom up. He's just not. Yeah. If a team is out there that's just on the edge, like you know, the lightning or something like that. You know, if they were to make a, a change like that, sure, maybe Joe Quenville can come over and push him over the edge. But he's just not that guy. He's not the guy that's going to, that's gonna you know, bring these, these young players along. He has no patience for them. He beats them down. He puts them in the doghouse. People, have you not seen this for years? I mean, 
people, players like, you know, I'm not saying Billy Polka was the greatest, uh, greatest prospect in the world, but he wasn't going to give, wasn't given a chance. And even some established players, like you mentioned before, Trevor, Trevor Daly and, and, and so forth and so on. And Michael Ketney and, um, you know, it, it's happened several times with players like this. He did it with forwards with, you know, even older players like, uh, Vermette. Vermette went on to have a, he had a good career before he was here and he had a good career, a decent career after he left here. But Joe Quinville didn't want to play him. You know, how's that going to go over with young players who are impressionable and, you know, have fragile, sometimes may have fragile egos. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to nurse them along a little bit. Joe Quinville's not nursing anyone along. No, no. And, no. and, and I just, I, to, I tie, I tie it back to, to free agency. You have an original six team in a, in a great market in Chicago. And with the way players have been, have been treated in, in recent years, you know, it maybe that's that's factoring into why Chicago's had to go this this off season with these these lo- low to mid level signings. They just don't have the appeal uh, that other teams do. Yeah. So to, yeah, I, I, and I and like the whole thing when I when I saw the amount of contracts that the Blackhawks had signed, and then I look at why did they sign Eric Gustafson <laughs> like. Okay, yeah, he's a. He, yeah, I got nothing against Eric Gustafson. He's a fine player, but do we need five Eric Gustafsons in, in the organization? No, they don't. They don't have the room no. for that. Like, not, let Eric Gustafson. Thank let, God, thank God that we didn't sign Will Butcher. That would have been terrible. <laughs> oh, how how awful to have a guy who can run a power play. How awful would that be? Insiders say that he's not better than Eric Gustafson or Jan Ruda, so I'm going to go with them. Well, you know, he won the ba- Hobie Baker as a senior, and, you know, he's probably nothing more than a number six guy. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, and it's, he has no chance of making NHL's all-rookie team. That's impossible. <laughs> oh, wait. Bust, totally. we don't have a sarcasm font here but yeah um (laughs) this question i just want to read because i found it funny because it came from i got a real big one 69 at (laughs) gmail.com did bowman uh just sign his quitting papers with these free agent signings because they suck i think that was gordy clifton that actually uh but uh yeah they do suck for sure but i just wanted to read that email address um, that's, that's Brighton 318, Brian Beyer, uh, the Hawks clearly hoping for something on the trade market. My question is to Stan realize that they need, uh, someone other than Taze to win faceoffs consistently. Very good yes. point. And we brought that up several times. Mm-hmm. I feel that the Hawks haven't addressed this since they traded for Vermette in 2015. Excellent point. point. We've been, mm-hmm. we've harped on that. I, that's why I kind of floated the, the theory out there that I wanted to, Maybe see if they could get Ryan O'Reilly in here because he could have done that. I know he costs a lot of money, but you got to do something. And mm-hmm. uh, and you could talk, you know. Again, you could you could uh, mock us all you want about faceoffs. That faceoffs are overrated. Faceoffs deep in your own zone and faceoffs deep in the other team's zone. They are important. They are important. They 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 grab possession and. You know, especially like on the power plays and in the penalty kill. If you lose a faceoff on the penalty kill in your own zone, like you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And Jonathan Taze is the only person on this team that can win a faceoff consistently. And it's shown. It beat, you know, it wears on him. He's just a player that you're going to have to kind of 
coddle along, unfortunately, because he's played a lot of hard minutes and, and these faceoffs and on the power play and on the penalty kill. They got to get a guy in there, a secondary guy, a Jordan Stahl, a whoever, Eric Stahl, anything that can play a second line center that can win faceoffs or even a third line center like a David Bowen character, you know, that can come in there and can play those dirty little minutes. He may not show up on the, on the score sheet every night, but can go in there and do that kind of work. They don't have anyone that can do that right now, and they need that, and uh, they are definitely missing that. So, not only. And, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to make a sarcastic comment. Oh, I'll make <laughs> mine first. Um, it's not like uh, we missed out on Ryan O'Reilly because he just went to our biggest rival. So, yeah, no we're, deal. Yeah, we're going to get really good uh, ex- Ryan O'Reilly experience for the next couple of years. So, go ahead. What were you going to say, Mario? Um. I was just going to say, uh, uh, to, to add on to that just now for an, for an actual point, um, Tyler Bozak also going to St. Louis. So face-offs against St. Louis are going to suck um, for, for, for this season if, if Chicago's centers are, are who they are currently. Yeah. They suck um, against Berglund, too. Yeah, it's mm, – yeah, it sucks. It's, it's – very frustrating. And this this is <laughs> this is definitely a position where you can't say, oh well, so and so from you know Rockford or so and so from wherever is going to be able to come in this year and do that because they don't have any guys in the system. They don't have a they don't have a dynamic center in their organization that we I can point that I can point to. Live and die with Nick Schmaltz forty two percent. Well, I mean, but that's ba- that's based off of um, that they have no they have no one behind him. They don't have a guy like like David Camp can win faceoffs, but is he more than a fourth or third line center? No. <clears throat> not not really. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I don't even know that you know he can consistently be that faceoff guy. He's probably right. better he- than Nick Schmaltz. But right, he's only he's only done it in a small sample size. Relatively, um, that's relative to Nick Schmaltz. Right. So. So I don't know. I mean, they the the center depth that I that I see in in the organization right now after Schmaltz and Anisimov is David Camp, Matthew Highmore, uh, Luke Johnson, Jordan Schrader, Alex Fortin, Nathan Noel, uh, Dominic Cahoon. Are, are these guys dynamic centers that are going to come in and move forward and be your number two guy behind Taze or, or, or behind Smaltz or whatever? Not, not right now. Not and, currently. And Graham not. He's a wing, but <laughs> he's got it. He's got his own issues. Yeah. But he's got a, got a wing by default. <laughs> but well, sarcasm aside though, I mean, they could have, instead of bringing in Chris Kunitz, if they wanted to bring in a veteran guy, bring in a veteran center that can win a faceoff. Like, that addresses mm-hmm. a problem. Riley Nash, Thomas Thomas, Thomas Plakanich, you know, like, a guy that can win, a Valor, you know, I mean, Philpola, they're, you know, they're not going to come cheap, but you're, you're talking, what did they sign for? Over $2 million? I mean, it's not too much. Any guy that can win a faceoff, win a goddamn faceoff. Any of those guys could have done it. If if it's a problem that 
this is not a, an organization any of those guys wanted to come into, you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. You should be able to offer $2 million to Riley Nash or Thomas Pokanik or Valerie Filpola to come in here and win faceoffs. And they didn't do it. They brought in Chris Kunitz, who's not going to address any problems or, you know, fill any holes or address any problems. That's where you bring that veteran guy in there if you have to. And uh, they, they didn't do it. Yep. So. Um, Good question. Yeah. Um, Southside Chiver, 13. I thought the Hawks were in on Dahan. Is he asking too much? And that's why they went with Manning? Maybe. They're probably never in on him. Maybe. Maybe that too. You know, one, 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 one or the other. I mean, right now they're, they're, they only got $2 million in cap space. Plus, you know, they're going to have, you know, whatever they do with the, the HOSA, the HOSA cap space. But really what they have to do is they have to get up to, like, they have to be up to the cap limit at day one so that they can then leverage that, that HOSA $5 million. And then they can go $5 million over the cap. So, um, you know, they got $2 million. They probably could have used that $2 million, move a player, get rid of a player. And they could have probably got enough for Dehan somehow. I don't know, whatever. Uh, TJ March, he has a long one here. Can we talk about direction? First, the core is now into their 30s, and we have new young core that are coming into their own. It's debatable. Um, but the, the Haw- Hawks brass is in a perpetual retool on the fly mentality. Uh, I'd be okay with all in, making it, you know, making a play for Falk, JVR, Stasny. I'd also be okay with a full rebuild. Um, but instead, we're getting names like Brandon Manning, Kunitz, Oduya Part 2. Maybe these names don't come here because they don't want to play second fiddle to Kane. And I don't think of that at all. I don't know. That's that's one of the more ridiculous yeah. things I've I think I've ever heard yeah. in, in in the NHL. Like people were like like I know this isn't uh, Hawks related, but people were saying you know well maybe maybe uh, Tavares doesn't want to go to to Toronto because he doesn't want to have to split time with being the star with Matthews and Marner. Give me a break. These guys want to win a Stanley Cup. Who gives a crap? If you're playing oh. second, if you're playing second <laughs> fiddle to, if you're playing second fiddle to someone, like if you're gonna win a cup, you're gonna win a cup. Like I, like these guys don't care if they're, I'd ninety nine point nine percent of the league in the NHL doesn't care if they're not the number one star on the team and they're not the most focused on player if it means that they're gonna win a cup. So. Anyone say, oh, I don't want to play behind Patrick Kane and, and, and Jonathan Taze because I want to be the, the go-to guy. I want to be the star. I want to be the one to, to, to bring, you know, to, to, to be the leader of the team. Well, okay, do you, you, want, you want to do that and miss the playoffs or you want to play with superstars and have a chance at a cup? Prime examples, Marion Hossa, Phil Kessel. Oh, yeah. They went to teams where, you know, maybe they weren't the focus of the entire team. But they pl- they filled a role and they won Stanley Cups. That's exactly how it should be done. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're that egotistical that you don't want to play with good players because you want to be the focus, like you're not going to win ever. No, no, that is the w- completely wrong attitude. And anyone who thinks that that you know that that Tavares wouldn't have like gone to Toronto and played you know played wing 
you know, to play with a good enough team with a chance, you know, for a chance to win a Stanley Cup, you're out of your mind because you would have done that. Any player would in the right mind, you know. Right. Play, you know, players aren't that fucking, you know, stubborn. I don't want to play, you know, with, with superstars. Okay, you know, Brian Campbell came here and played second fiddle to Duncan Keith and and and, and Brett Seabrook. It, you know, it goes on and on and on. You know, teams that win Stanley Cups, they do that. They bring in quality players to, you know, to, you know, to bolster their depth. And, uh, yeah, stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, anyway, I think we kind of address a lot of that stuff. I don't think the Falk thing, I mean, that's another thing where it's like, you know, if you got Joe Quenville here, like, like good luck. Because his history yeah. with defensemen, man. It doesn't matter who they are and what their pedigree is. Like, it, you you get on his bad side quickly, and that could very easily happen with a Justin Falk. Like, you know, I've I've seen a lot of you know Carolina Hurricanes, uh, you know, people being like, you know, hey, you know, he he wasn't all that good last year. Like, he comes in here and starts doing a you know a a, a Connor Murphy type deal, and that's problems. Mm-hmm. So. And also, if you're the Hurricanes, you have Justin Falk. He's got two more years left on his deal. The Blackhawks come calling, hey, we need a top four defenseman. The conversation starts in, hey, all right, that's fine. I'll take Henry Ogihari off your hands for you. Yep. Or Alex Dabrinkit. We'll do the same thing we did to you with Brian Bickle. We'll just take Tabo from you. Just put him in our our top six, and he'll score 60 points. That's fine. Yeah, for sure. We're just going to rock us blind. It's, It's... They've done it before. It's not coming cheap, for sure. And I, I've been trying to relate this to people or relay this to people all along. To bring in someone, like, you're not just going to offer up Marion Hosa's contract and be able to get something back. Like, you have to depart. You, you know, assets have to depart to be able to acquire assets. You're not just going to be given stuff for free. So what are you willing to give up to get something in, in return? What does Stan Bowman have to give up it has value, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, Duncan Keith, whatever, Alex Dabrinkat, they're going to want something. You're not just going to bring something in without giving, without something going out the door. So do, do you fill a hole, but you open up a hole somewhere else? This team is not, this organization is not deep enough to be able to open up a hole somewhere else. And I think that's why he's stockpiling defensemen. Yeah. I think this is ammunition for... Getting that top four defenseman. I mean, there's a he could deal the rights to Chad Chris now. He could, you know, if it's worth anything now. Yeah, well, he yeah. could deal any of these Ian young Mitchell that are in the. Don't say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he could deal anybody right now, and you know, yep. they and they'd still have prospects left in the system. So I, I think that's kind of what they're setting themselves up for. Maybe yeah, because I mean, really. Defense is um, every organization wants defense, and if you have a lot of defensemen, then maybe you can you know leverage that, and, and uh, you know that's that, that's the most valuable asset. That's the, the asset that people will pay the most for, overpay for, is defensemen. So stop talking. You sound like David Poyle. <laughs> hey, it, it was it worked. <clears throat> uh, last one, Dan Match. He, he sent in a bunch of questions, but I only. I only copied and pasted uh, most of these. Who are the most likely D- D-men to get moved? Who knows at this point? I mean, 
they should have let Gustafson go, and he could have been fine somewhere else, but they just didn't need him. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you only need so many number six defensemen on the roster. We've talked about that at length. Any news on the Hosa situation? Is the sweetener price too steep? Yeah, it's going to be steep. And does the fact that we are no longer a destination of something? Yeah, I mean, this is all stuff we've mentioned. But that, you know, this is not a primo destination anymore. Sure, it's nice to play with Patrick Kane and, you know, Jonathan Taves. It's nice. But uh, does that mean it's going to get you a Stanley Cup? Not necessarily anymore. So, um, yeah. What do you guys think? We'll wrap this thing up with this last one. Uh, yeah, the, the HOSA contract, um, that's going to, that's, it's, it's not just going to be here, take the contract. We'll take a, a draft pick. Um, that's, that's not how it's going to work. It's going to be contract and one of Chicago's picks and, or one of their future prospects. And you're going to get in return, maybe a mid-level prospect and a tweener NHL, AHL player, or maybe one low-level NHL player. It's, it's, it's going to be a problem from what I would, what I would think. And, uh, you know, having no complete insider knowledge at all, I'll leave that up to John. But what I would think is that it's, it's going to be somewhat of an unflattering deal that gets done and, on the, on the surface, it will probably be a loss for Chicago that they'll lose, you know, a, a pick that would be valuable or or a young prospect or something that would be, you know, something of value to get rid of the contract as well. Yeah, I think it. I think the only way that it would look even decent is if like they could package up and they could fluff up Gustav Forsling and say, "Hey, this guy's right on the edge of being an NHL defenseman." He's young, he's good, he's cost-controlled. Take him from us. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that's, like, best-case scenario for the Blackhawks because I think that they can, you know, they have enough smallish puck-moving defensemen, which we're tired getting tired of hearing about. Uh, I think it's, like, the best-case scenario. That and, like, a pick. Take Gustav Forsling, take this guy. And who knows, Forsling could, you know, walk into their system and turn into, you know, gangbuster. Yeah, but um, you know what? All all the team has to do is do the – Look up the Carfax on Gustav, uh, <laughs> and it says, "Oh, look at that! The the Canucks dumped him for Adam Clendenning." Yeah. Hey, that's the uh, you know all-time points leader as a defenseman for the Rockford <laughs> Ice Hawks. You're talking about. Well, I'm not bashing Adam Clendenning. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna. I don't know. I mean, it, maybe they do make a trade. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, counting on them making anything significant. So maybe they do unload the contract, but I don't count that as a significant deal to me. And there's not much out there on the free agent market for them to be able to pick up. So yeah, yeah. cap space is real nice. You know, that new prospect called cap space is real nice, but if you don't use it for anything, it doesn't do you any good. So I'm going to leave everyone with that. Yeah. So, just so you guys know, I went to Avalanche Prospect Camp yesterday, and there's this kid named Kale McCarr, and uh, he was the fourth overall pick last year. The guy is disgusting. The Avs have a lot of prospects coming up. They're building the right way. Um, that's a team that is rising very quickly. They're not the worst team in the league anymore, and 
this division is not getting any easier. Who would have known that Matthew Shane was the problem? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder how he feels in Ottawa now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up, guys. You guys got any, any last things you guys we, we've missed? We're over the two-hour mark, so. There, there was one question that came across on my Twitter feed. Okay. Uh, if Stan Bowman was a tree, what kind of tree would he be? Uh, and I'm going to go with a, a dead walking tree. <laughs> I was going to say a weeping willow. <laughs> yeah. Anyone? I'm I'm not too uh I'm not too versed on on trees. Uh on trees. So All I'll right. go with I'll go with the weeping willow. I'll All piggyback right. on that one. Alright, there you go. Alright, well that wraps it up, everyone. Cool. All right. Well you can find all of our wonderful stuff and our writings and our content on www.thedashrink.com. You can find us on the popular social media at the rink official. That's Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. The Rinkcast on Twitter at the Rinkcast. You can find me at Puck and Hostel on Twitter. You can find John Jekyll, our favorite insider, at J E E C K E L on Twitter. Uh, Mario, your Mario underscore Terabasi. Uh, we retweet everything or a lot of stuff that you you send out. So if you're following the Rink <laughs> official, or you're following me. You're going to see Mario coming in your feet a lot. Oh. And uh, we have Late in the Goldie for Aaron. Follow him for your NCAA and Avalanche Prospect <laughs> Camp uh, news. Um, I think that's it for that. Uh, Evan Miller. Evan, he just put out a, a, an Indie Fuel article. Some insider stuff going on down, down in Indy. So make sure you check out that stuff. Uh, hopefully we're going to have some cool insider stuff in, uh, in Indy in the near future. Uh, Mario will always with the uh, Rockford insider stuff. So that's good stuff too. Yeah. Shout out to Evan. He's been killing it with uh, the ECHL coverage. Yeah. It's good stuff. And then, you know, there's very limited coverage down there. Uh, so, uh, you know, Evan's been a, a bright light and, uh, also, uh, Eric doing the uh, the prospect stuff. He's going to be out of prospect camp again with us. Um, if you get a chance, head over to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. We're getting really good numbers lately. I'm very happy with what we're seeing. It's very promising, especially during the summer. Uh, we we want to keep that momentum going out through the summer, so we're going to try and hit at least every other week with a podcast. If there's nothing to talk about, we may go three weeks, but uh, we're going to try and keep this thing going. We're not going to take the entire summer off. Um, and uh, hopefully I'll have some new developments as far as the website goes and things like that coming as well. Um, I don't have any more uh, plugs as far other than puck hockey. Get over to puck hockey. Get your rink gear. We, uh, it's good stuff. Um, you'll probably be see, seeing me sport at least some of it at Prospect Camp. Uh, you guys got any plugs or anything you guys want to plug? Uh, No. Okay. No, uh, cool. yeah, the-rink.com, and uh, check out all our stuff. We'll be yeah. doing um, daily podcasts on the roster breakdown every day of free agency. Uh, <laughs> be exciting stuff. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, get, all your, get all your Dominic Cahoon updates here. <laughs> yeah. Would you say, uh, we, uh, we actually finished this podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, we hope John's doing all right. No, he couldn't make it tonight. Uh, we were hoping he could, but he couldn't. So, uh, 
Shout out to our boy John Jacob, even though uh, he ruins everything, according to some unnamed sources and uh, <laughs> all of his favorites out there. He he might be the most hated man in Blackhawks land. I don't know. I don't necessarily understand why, but he, I guess I don't know. But uh, anyway, all you fans out there, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to download, listen, support us. Until next episode, see you on the ring.